happening, everybody? Welcome to the Paranormal Meets. I'm Johnny Monoxide, and tonight I am joined by Ryan. What's up? Not much. Glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm tired. I'm sure you're tired. You worked late today. Yeah, just a little bit, but it's. I'm not gonna say it's worth it. But put terror in your chest. Something. You know. Sure. <laughs> Money in the bank. Money in the bank. Something like that. Anyways, <laughs> also joining me this evening, Otter Waffen Jack. Hello. What is up, my dudes? Uh, not much. Um, we will be joined in a little while by uh, Grognak and Alt Skull, and our guest that uh, is responsible for our shitposting episode that we released earlier. Um, he joined us for this one. But in, in, the, in, in the meantime, you're going to deal with uh, our 38 minutes of shitposting. No, just kidding. They already had 138 minutes of it last week, so. That's 38 minutes before we even get to the how many hour interview? I think it was three. Well, Something all, like that. Well, altogether it was four because he, he he was on Central thinking, or we were on Eastern thinking he was on Eastern, but no, he was on Central, whatever. So we did like four and a half hours, but um, we might release that first part. Probably not as an aside, but... Um, yeah, a good three hours, man. And it was awesome. It's always awesome. All of our guests, uh, let me hang on. Most of our guests have been awesome. We've had a couple that were like, um, like we probably won't have David Weiss on again. Um, not after we watched him debate. <laughs> Do you want to call it that? Ooh. The Dr. That Dave, was... the Dr. Dave debate, you know, Dr. Dave. Is he a real doctor? Or Professor Dave, whatever the fuck he's called. Professor, Professor Dave. Professor, that's what it is. Professor, Professor Dr. Dave. Mr. Pro- Listen. Don't Mr. Professor Dr. Dave. Don't start. You guys will summon Jim Fetzer. Okay. <laughs> I mean, would that be a terrible thing? No, I hear, it wouldn't. I hear a little bottle of red pills <laughs> clinking in the distance. But we only have a couple of minutes, so, you know. True. Yes. They ha- Listen, people, people that are listening to this are about to sit and have plenty of content for a while. So... We can't give him too much. Um, no, 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 Doctor Mister Jim Fetzer. Um, <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but yes, uh, we have one Mister Jason Brashears from Archaics coming to join us in just a minute. Uh, also with Alt Skull and um, and Grognak. But um, man, you guys, you guys, you guys get the cold snap. They call it whatever they call it. Like it was sixty for like two weeks, and then it was like snow. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get snow, but it did get down to like 21 degrees. Yeah, and, and now it's 50 today again. Yeah, so. it's supposed to be 70 by the end of the week here. And then 74 next week. I don't, I mean, I'm not mad at that. I just know that like, it's going to do that thing where like in the middle of April, it's going to be like, ha ha, here's some snow. Uh, I can't wait. I'm yeah. so excited. Thanks, Harp. Very cool. Please Great. no. No more. I know. Honey, it's April. And... Time for your next cold snap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more. Oh my god. Um did we did we miss a gay op this weekend? I don't know. We have we have a nationalist inquirer coming up. There will be I'm sure there will be things to be said on that. But uh pretty yeah. sure, I'm pretty sure there were some gay ops in urban Mississippi, but I'll have to look. Dude, there is a lot of gay ops. Uh David Santa Carla's Twitter has been well, they're all, they're not gaps, it's just shootings. But we, there was a lot of mass shootings going on, but they're not talking about them. We might talk about them on the Inquirer, so. 
I mean, there, there were some evil Nazis walking around Nashville. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about that on Tuesday. Uh, uh, again? Yeah, again. What? Again? Oh, man. What do you mean again? I mean, like, like uh, what are you thinking of, Reinhardt? Um, the group that no longer exists? Yeah. No. Yeah, no, no there oh, there were one. more. No, actual yeah. oh, evil different Nazis. One. Yes, actual evil, sig-hiling, not fat, skinny, fat, fat and skinny fat Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man yeah. did they did they have plastic plastic stall helms they had flags and similar uniforms we'll talk about it on tuesday uh oh boy yeah so you know so there's 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 gay ops afoot there's always gay ops afoot it's america you know that's true right oh i'm sorry i thought this was america <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> do you believe in america you better because you're living in one God, oh, fuck. I know, right? All right. Well, that being said, we have enough scaring the audience, but uh, <laughs> scaring the host. <laughs> From the Department of Scaring the Hose. Um, that's a, that, is a great, that is a great meme. Uh, it is. It is. But I feel like that's a Facebook meme page. It has to be. It's at least a Telegram channel. Oh, it, oh it's a Telegram channel. It is a Telegram channel. I know I've seen See, yeah, the good, the good, funny Facebook meme page names have all moved over to funny telegram channel names. yeah this is true this is true basically it's like yeah it's, yeah this is true have you guys known if you guys have instagram at all at all uh normie instagram is probably the most racist place on earth that's way. true when you're looking through reels dude and it is all like stuff that we would have got normally get canceled for but like because it's normies doing it and blacks joining in and everybody's have everybody seems to be having fun with the racism on the instagram yep huh Yep, it's. I recently made one, and I don't use it. Yeah, I don't either. I have one from like ten years ago when Instagram first started up, or whatever. I don't ever use. It. I get an email every now and then. It's like, hey, my name. And it's like, did you want to ever get back on? I'm like, nah. I have an anonymous one, and I use it for just racist reels and like flat Earth reels and all that kind of stuff. I follow like I follow Old Scary World, which. Uh, by the way, Old Scary World got got demonetized. Um, we should have Old Scary World back on again. That'd be cool. Oh man, I gotta hit him up. Yeah, he he had some YouTube stuff going on, like literally for no reason again, as usual. But of course, yes. But anyways, speaking of guys that get shut down, uh, we're gonna go listen to Jason Brashears and the rest of the gang as we do this interview. Jason has seen Static in the Attic. I don't know. We'll ask him. Well, I just got in here, guys. Can you hear me? Hey, what's hey. up, Jason? What's up? Hey, Jason. Well, I'm trying to see. All right. <clears throat> I see me. Johnny, I see you there. Reinhardt Grognack. <laughs> oh, you actually got to. I forgot to change my name. It's me. It's Stull. Oh, okay. All right. Otter Waffen Jack. That's a new one to me. Uh, Jack was oh, here uh, last time. Yeah, I was here on the. That was the last time that he was on. What was it? The summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's been that long, man. Time flies. I know, man. Yeah, time has been going very rapidly. A few moments later. No, I'm done with that. Where, where okay, cool. I know I'm familiar with static. What were y'all talking about? Oh, static. Static in the attic. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Not, I mean, I'm here. I don't think. 
Put it to you this way. I have nothing against him. I am I am aware of some passive aggression aimed my way in the past. I don't know if he feels that way still. Oh. But uh, I have plugged him a few times on my channel. I, I I encourage people to go check him out because he opened my eyes to a few things on ancient maps. But mm -hmm. other than that, I'm not real familiar with his work. Oh. We've we've plugged his stuff quite a bit. Also, by the way, if you guys do that, you you better invite me on. I'm gonna be very angry with you both. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I'm just messing with you, but yeah. Um, uh, oh, by the way, um, never mind. It doesn't matter. Um, so what he said was he was kind of. Do you remember a guy named Wooden Nichols at all? Do you, have you heard of Wooden Nichols? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wooden Nichols, an old troll of mine. Oh, he's an old troll of yours. Oh, okay. So when Nichols used to be like a big Tartaria guy, and then he went back on all of that for some reason. And so it seems like Static in the Attic is kind of doing the same thing where he's looking at old photos and being like, well, those cities weren't really empty. It was just because of the daguerreotype photographs. You know, and he's, he's mm. doing that bit again. And he's, he's kind of uh, going after certain types of content creators and and again it's like he started off by put not really pushing but yeah i guess pushing that kind of content and now kind of going back on it a little bit which if you're a fan of you know if you're a fan of somebody's content like Iwaranon did that i don't know if you know about that phenomenon i was about to mention that that's exactly <laughs> what he did right yeah. so the same wood nichols did the same thing right and um wood nichols even did a show with john levi and then he went back on that and went and did shows with Iwaranon, who was another one that went back on his own thing so i think that this is kind of i don't want to say it's it's like a gay op by the system or something, but it seems like it might be like these, these guys, these really great content creators come out with really good stuff and get everybody very excited about it. And then they go, Oh, by the way, um, we were wrong. And what you believe now is incorrect. And it makes people second guess reality in general. You know, I, I agree. And I, I'm, um, you know, as far back as three years ago on my own channel, before anybody was even really listening to me, uh, I was telling people that the intelligence communities were already well invested in the truther communities. Oh yeah, and this this is the this is the common tactic. And one one thing I'm very confident that these agencies do is that when they find a channel that's been influential in guiding a narrative, and that channel is now struggling, it's very easy to offer them a few thousand dollars because they're not making that from YouTube anyway. Right. And just offer them right. a few thousand dollars to hey man do some vi videos kind of kind of kind of retracting. Uh, any of the stuff in your in in your prior presentations that you think that you might not be able to prove, we're really slick about the way they do this shit. So it's a uh, yeah. I'm, uh, Martin Leakey and I have done a lot of talking about it. We we focused on different YouTube channels that that are are just really they're ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by by ambiguous is you got some really good salient points, but one of my hallmarks is the Jews. And just like today, even on YouTube, I didn't hold back. I was I was telling it like it was about the Bolsheviks and the takeover of the United States in 1902 and how they killed President McKinley. I went off on YouTube today, but that's one of my hallmarks. If you can't pass that hallmark to me, then I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that you're controlled up and and, and that you're not willing to actually tell the truth. Are all Jews bad people? Hell no. But are the ones that are moving and shaking in the world and in charge of a bunch of the presidential assassinations and the financial takeover of the Western <laughs> world? Goddamn yes. right they are. A hundred percent. And they brag about it. 
is and they it, brag about it. Exactly. So. Is my friend Paul Cohen from high school uh, one of the bad ones? No, absolutely. Did he get into brandy ice because he's Jewish? Absolutely, he did. <laughs> no i'm not wrong like dude this is like what i always i make a joke all the time i was like it's, oh god the poor jews i'm like have you ever met a poor jew nobody ever has nobody ever has nope. i have i know one my buddy paul we went to high school together we went to east hartford high in, high in connecticut paul was poor because his mom was like disowned for having had kids with a goy and like but paul Still was able to go to Brandy Ice, fucking Brandy Ice of all places, right? To get his master's. I thought you were going to say he was poor because he's living in Connecticut, which I would definitely believe. Oh, he's poor because he's living. Yes, yes. If you're a Jew, no. <laughs> yes. Nobody. I was poor living in Connecticut. Like we, we. Don't don't get me started. Was, <laughs> I used to go. My mother used to do Jewish women's hair. My mom was a hairdresser, and on Saturdays she would go and do Jewish women's hair in West Hartford. Right. And I would have to sit there in these Jewish ladies' houses that smelled like matzah and like mothballs and death and like Jew. And like we had to sit there and be good while my mom did like perms and haircuts and stuff for these Jewish women. And they would flirt with me and my brother. I was like 10. Like weirdly, these weird old Jewish ladies would like flirt with us. It was so fucking weird. But yeah, it's not weird. It's not weird to them. The Talmud encourages that. Oh, absolutely. Now that I know that, now that I know that I'm like, ah, but when I was a kid, I was like, good Lord. Yeah, I was like, ah, back then too, actually. (laughs) Whole thing's so crazy. It's, yeah, I I don't focus on it. It's not, it's not, you know, a material issue with me where I got to dwell on it and shit. But when it's relevant to the points I'm making, like I did a three hour and 40 minute video today on YouTube and mm-hmm. it, it became relevant because of the subject matter. So I didn't hold back. I want to talk about it, but I do notice uh, like Robert Seifer, Robert Seifer. Oh yeah. He's been, he's been oh. calling them out. He, he doesn't hold back, especially on Twitter. Well, but, uh, he kind of can um, though. He, he kind of can. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Isn't he one of the tribe? He is. Cause he, he is Jewish. Yeah. He is Jewish. So he can do that. So yeah. His father is an Iranian Jewish filmmaker. Yeah. That's a hell of a yeah. combo. Right. That's what I heard too. Yeah. And, oh, dude, did you, you guys know, know that in the Middle East there are more Jews in Iran than there are anywhere else in is in yeah, other than Israel? I'm well aware of that. Yeah. That's that's where the exilarchy has always been. Right? Oh yeah. I, yeah. I somehow missed this uh, this memo. Oh, you didn't know that? So the Donme <laughs> no. Jews, so the Donme Jews became Saudi Arabia, and then all the exiled Jews go to Iran and become mullahs. Huh. Yeah. yeah during the entire hey, during the entire. Oh, uh, from the Dark Ages, Middle Ages, on through the Crusades, the egg, the Jewish exilarchy was always always seated in Iran. At the time, it was called Persia, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the Jews were for, formed a intelligence network that surpassed anybody in the world because there's always a Jew that speaks every fucking language in the world. You're gonna <laughs> find one. All you got to do is put it out there to your kinfolk. Hey, do we got any 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 uh any kin over there that speak this this or that or whatever? And there's Jews in every European country in the world, so they, they form this intelligence apparatus. And Iran has been the hiding place of the exilarchy from the beginning. They've been running shit for a long time from Iran. And yet they've got the whole world thinking Iran is a is an enemy state, enemy country. Iran this, Iran that. But you know what? The Jews are running shit from Iran even today. Exactly. When you <clears> – <throat> I've seen Netanyahu from like I want to say early – when did he get into power? The 90s? Uh, late 90s when whenever he first came into power i remember seeing speeches of his where he talks about the iranians being brothers 
But if you talk to any Jew in Israel, they're like, no, the Iranians want to kill me, my family. They have this crazy weird dichotomy where the people in charge are like open about their brotherhood with Iran, like the Belt Road Initiative, right? That, that China, Iran, and Russia are kind of brokering and it's being brokered by Israel. Yeah. Like, I don't know how people yeah. don't fucking see this. Like, I knew that Iran was part of the entire system as soon as they said that one of their major generals died of COVID yes. during the COVID thing. Oh, I forgot like, about that. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Had, so you guys, they played the game just like Russia played the game, just like China played the game, just like the U.S. played the they game. All They're all play part the, of the game. same. Yeah. It's all the same system. It's all the same. Only the names have changed. <laughs> <laughs> and every time that happens, I'm going to sing that fucking song. I, oh, shit. Well, I know we're, we're probably going to get sued. We're going to get sued. I know, right? I'm, I'm going to fair use out of this in like three episodes. I was, I was gonna say, you're not the only one getting sued, I guess, soon. Dude, that's right. Yeah. Well, you're not getting sued. Whoever I'm owns not. that channel so, is getting sued. Yeah, some yeah. other guys getting sued. There some seems other, to be a lot of suing going around. Some other otters are getting is sued. It con- is it contagious? <laughs> oh, God, are germs real? <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I, think, I think if the litigiousness is... Litigiousness. Jesus, I can't even talk. Well, actually... Right. Um... It's intellectual property, Goy. <laughs> Speaking hey, of Jason, did you, did you see that uh, Iran is claiming Antarctica now? Yes. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> In oh, direct oh. response to Biden's, like, posturing. They're like, oh, yeah? Well, Antarctica's ours then, nigga. Do something. Yeah, I can't. I just can't, uh... It's so hard for me to even entertain anything in the political arena anymore. It's let me tell you some research will you'll become jaded very fast, man. We, it's I, I've been I've been going at breakneck pace, just going through all my research notes, and mm. you know what? It's just it's so fucked up. The whole play was made back in 1901 when the last American president was assassinated, William McKinley, and I've had all these notes, but I never really put them together and looked at them. I was like, holy shit. I didn't even realize the Jews had taken over the United States as far back as 1902. Didn't even realize that I was going through all my notes. And I saw that the very first Jewish president of the United States was Rosen, uh, Roosevelt, uh, <laughs> where we got teddy bear. You know I mean, mm-hmm. it's fucking, oh, uh, I'm going through all, how the Bolsheviks worked in tandem with, with the Jews in the U.S. Yep. While they were taking over Russia, the United States was being taken over. At the same time, the Bolsheviks took over the Romanovs in, in the, in the, uh, in Christian Russian Empire, the Jews in the United States were already taking o- taking us over financially through the Federal Reserve Act, and then, you know, then the uh, bankrupted us in the fucking Great Depression. Every bit of that was Jewish, and so they could finance the Nazi war machine, so they could set the so they could set Germany up as a fall guy, and then it's just so crazy, man. The more the more I, I research this whole deal, it's like fuck. Why well, I don't even give a damn about. Republicans, Democrats, politics, <laughs> Trump. I don't give a fuck about none of, none of them because I see where what happened. I mean, in 1902, the United States was secretly taken over by Jews. As simple as that. It's very obvious now. And then it's also very obvious that they are geniuses at what they do. And they, and oh, they let the, the American patriot, they, they, they let the American patriot on. 
to believe that you lived in a free country, well, land of the free and they, brave. Uncle Sam needs you, and the average American had no fucking idea that all the controllers were Jewish. And all they created the American patriot to do this. They had to create that whole persona. They invented that. They invented American exceptionalism. They invented the whole American dream. Everything about Hollywood, all that was all invented by Jews. Every now, I I I I was listening to your 1902 thing earlier today, uh, off and on. You went three hours, dude. I couldn't listen to the whole thing. It was, but uh, (laughs) I mean, I I, I'm going to like probably. tomorrow or or uh monday uh, work. well it had to be that long because i just had i had a long list of all the things that are that, that suddenly oh. appeared in the world oh yeah no you're not that's that's an awesome thing and i recommend everybody that's listening to this when you're done listening go and listen to jason's 1902 presentation uh it was incredible uh the, and that's 138 years from 2040 yep yeah which Crazy. yeah and that's a phoenix that's a phoenix event year um and you went and you you talked a lot about the Phoenix stuff. And I don't want to rehash yeah. I don't want to rehash a lot of the stuff that you did earlier today, but a lot of that stuff is super interesting. And like you've you've had you've had I mean, dude, again, you 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 put on talks so many times throughout the week. It's hard to keep up with all the stuff that you talk about, man. Oh, I know, I know. I'm you know what I and no, that's been, not that's not talking. like that's not like shaming you at all. That's fucking awesome, bro. That's like I I wish that I could spend as much time doing as much research as you do, man. That's like, that's amazing work you do. I appreciate it. I just, I don't have, I don't have any slowdown. I just, it's, I'm on full battery all the time. I just, uh, <laughs> I hell yeah. Well, Everybody I'll, says I'll that about this, me. Though, yeah. I, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk much about it. Cause it's really strange. The little system they got set up, but once you become real popular on YouTube, uh, YouTube attorneys and agents reach out to you and they have you do a video NDA. And uh, I'm not, like I said, oh, I'm going to honor the NDA, but they have all kinds of techniques. They sit there and teach you to make your channel blow up a whole lot faster. All little tricks and trades of the YouTube algorithm. And uh, I'm going through that right now. Once a week, we have to do these video sessions and I'm putting all these things into practice in the past three weeks. So it's a, uh, I've already oh. seen the evidence of it. It's, it's, oh, pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I, somebody else had had led me, had told me about it. They, I didn't, I didn't really care. I've never reached out to anybody, but they, they finally reached out to me, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool because that's kind of that's kind of some evidence that no matter what I'm talking about, they're just making the money off the ads and shit. So I guess they don't really give a fuck how much truth I tell. In the uh, end, all that matters is money. Yeah, exactly. I believe the same thing. Uh, some of these, some of these truther channels out there, you know, they piss and moan about they got they got deleted off the, off the channel and all that. And you know what? I can't say they didn't because some channels do disappear and all that. But I'm also I'm also aware why some of these channels disappear. It's in it's in the terms of service for YouTube and, and for Google for the Google ad excuse me Google AdSense, and it's uh they're serious about it. They fucking submit your shit to 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 the IRS and. If the IRS gives them a ding back that damn you've paid this dude for two years and he ain't sent us nothing, yeah, they lock your fucking ass out oh, yeah. of your own account of your own account and shit. Oh yeah, the well the IRS, you know, they want to know I mean they want to know everything. Uh, they've actually added like drug dealing and stuff to their to their tax. It's like uh if you've sold Anything over five hundred? Oh yeah, no. Fuck. I'm not even joking. What? I'm not even joking, dude. Like drug dealers. No, that's the best part. Yeah, 
<laughs> you, know, you think YouTubers got it bad? Like, motherfuckers selling guys selling bath salts. You know what I mean? They got to. They got to. It's tougher, nigga, out here it, in the streets. It's getting tougher, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, man, come on, man. That's, the next thing you know is, oh, uh, how much? Did, how many tips did you get on Only OnlyFans? Dude, they, oh, they, uh, no, they, them bitches. Hold, yep, hold on a second. They happened. are taxing those bitches. Trust me, those bitches pay taxes. They are mad about that shit. Those girls that first of all, you're on OnlyFans. I don't give a fuck. Second of all, yes, pay your pay your fair share of taxes. Uh, Jason, if I have to do it for a hard day's work, you're doing it too, right? If you call that a hard day's work, uh, uh, well, <laughs> well, you know what yeah. you do. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ, I saw that transmission the other day. <laughs> how how did you manage to pull that off? Anyways, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Jason, every time you come on the show, it's it's always like this, man. Crazy. Yeah, man. At least it's never boring. That's the best part about. Oh yeah, the, uh, no doubt, no doubt. That's the best part about well, paranormies hey, is we just do. J- um, if you don't mind, button, Jason. Uh, one of your kind of videos that you did recently that kicked off this topic for us was the Sphinx one. Okay, you talk about Anubis. it being Anubis. Yeah, yeah. Anubis yeah. Video, yeah. So we we've never done like a an official Egyptian episode here. Which is uh, what we kind of wanted to. Well, we we did the Sphinx episode a long time ago. We did a Robert Shock Sphinx episode. I forgot about that episode. Right. So, and I know, Jason, how you feel about Robert Shock and Graham Hancock and other people whose names rhyme with Ock. But. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But. yeah, so let's let's talk about that because <clears throat> I was Grognak, I was gonna get to that, but I had one more joke. God damn it. All right, well look, we we can get off <laughs> of that in a minute. But why don't we why don't we first talk about what is exploding on YouTube right now concerning the Great Pyramid? Okay. Yeah, what, yeah. I have a lot I have a lot of I have a lot of problem with it. And uh, I was thinking about doing a video to address it. But one guy released a video and now he's being interviewed by other channels. He's he's making the rounds. Uh, claiming that there's a new discovery in the king's chamber and it's a like an inscription type message of alpha and omega hmm. that's, that's been found in the king's chamber and uh, matter, matter of fact he just did an interview on next level soul podcast i can't stand i can't stand that that youtube channel oh no but um uh it's every single episode is a fundraiser uh, on that, on that, and they got it's got like a million subs. I don't know. It's I, I, I every it's a guy. It's Gaia type shit. Everybody this dude interviews is is like associated with the Gaia network. Oh boy, yeah, uh, yes. So What's the name of the channel? Anyway, this, uh, it's next called level. Next Level Soul Podcast. Next and Level it Soul. It looks like it's yeah, Next Level Soul Podcast. But look, man, I, I'm always. I spent most of my life as a criminal, criminal mind, surrounded by criminals. You already know the story over 26 years in prison. So when I see a grifter scam, that's so obvious, I can't, I can't unsee it no matter mm-hmm. how it's presented. Mm-hmm. So I see this guy next level soul podcast in every single video is a fundraiser. But when you look at the fundraiser, it's some obscure, Oh, we're going to donate all this food to the, to the, uh, to the needy. Uh, you know, you know. Listen, man, I've done real. I've done some research. Not a whole lot. Not enough. Not enough to claim, you know, any any journalistic integrity. But enough to satisfy my own curiosity that only seven to eleven percent of anything sent to any fundraiser actually makes it makes it to what the fundraiser is about. The wow. rest of it gets absorbed in administrative fees, and it gets it gets it gets spread out among all the people in the scam. 
And right. there's, I promise you, there's a huge kickback for that dude doing this. So it's not even altruistic. It's all bullshit. You know, and I don't mean to step on the dude's scam, but you're presenting yourself in this way. Talk and, and it gets under my skin listening to all these people talk about this tooth under the fairy bullshit mythological version of history shit. And, and uh, you already know me. I I got anger management problems. I started doing <laughs> that shit. I, I want to call them out on YouTube, like like Graham Hancock and Billy Carson. But uh, never bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah, man. I, right. I, I see right through that shit. So this 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 is my problem. This stuff's getting big, and it's getting big for a reason. It's because the the message of Alpha and Omega is part particularly important to Judeo-Christianity. And while I have no problem with Judeo-Christianity, other than the fact that I know it's not true, and, it, and it's something that was slowly built over a three-century period, it's the amalgamation of ingredients. that ba- It's all the best ingredients that made the soup we call Christianity. It never was one thing. It's the sum of many things. And I'm cool with that. But it's presented today by by, by Christianity as, as being, oh, this is how it wasn't in, uh, originally, and, and, it, and it wasn't. But that's okay. I don't want to get all theological. My problem is, is in the 1600s, Frederick Norton Lewis surveyed the Giza site. He was in the king's chamber. He studied it. So did the Caliph al-Mamon and about 1,000 Arab explorers, and no one ever saw this inscription. Hmm. After Frederick Norton Lewis... Uh, uh, went in there, Napoleon scientists and mathematicians, they went in there, they they surveyed all this in and out, drew illustrations. No one ever saw this at all. After that, John Taylor went in there, Robert Menzies. These are elite scientists and historians and authors in the 1800s that went in there looking for anything, anything, any clue as to what the Great Pyramid could actually be. Scientists like... uh, Oh, uh, Charles Piazzi Smith, the astronomer royal for Scotland. He spent two and a half years there with his wife. Not a single mention of this inscription that's right there for where everybody could see it. No one would have ever missed what, what is what is claimed to be found in the Great Pyramid right now. No one would have ever missed it. Zawi Hawass would have never missed it. Graham <laughs> Hancock would have never missed it. Christopher Dunn, who studied most of the Great Pyramid under X-ray, would have never missed it. All the all the and all the analysts who went in the Great Pyramid and studied it under black light would have never missed it. All of a sudden, it's there, and we have Adam Rutherford who studied the Great Pyramid, wrote several books. Engineer David Davidson in 1926 wrote all these books. I got them on my on my shelf right now from the from uh, 1926. This man would have never missed that. No, no, E. Raymond Cap, the scholar, he studied the Great Pyramid, went in, slept overnight inside the King's Chamber, would have never missed that. So my problem is is. Uh, uh, the greatest Egyptologist of all time, Sir Flinders Petrie, who measured every inch of the Great Pyramid, whose measurements are accepted today, and they're the only ones I use to show that the Great Pyramid's measurements are all divisible by 138, showing it's connected to the Phoenix phenomenon. Hmm. But aside from that, all these great men and many more that I have not mentioned Never once saw this. Now, all of a sudden, this dude sees an Alpha and Omega inscription in there. It's a big deal. Why? Because Judeo-Christianity wants to be relevant, and it wants to associate itself in some way to this monument and this pyramid. And I really don't have a problem with that, but I do have a problem with, with this scenario, because the same scenario played out in 1837. 
when Colonel Howard Weiss was running out of funding and he was about to get recalled back to England, a loser, because he took over 200 men on an expedition trying to find something new in Egypt to justify the funding. He, he, he lost funding. He was about to be recalled back. And then all of a sudden, him and two men spent the night in the Great Pyramid and the next morning emerged triumphant, talking about they discovered a, they discovered a, a, a cartouche of Khufu. A small figurine, three inches tall, that was found 700 miles away. Khufu, a little a little figurine Khufu, is supposed to have been the one that built the Great Pyramid, according to only one source in the entire ancient world. And this is Herodotus of Halicarnassus. And he was merely conveying hearsay he had heard from a second-hand source in Egypt. And it, it became fact in 1837 when that cartouche was found. Unfortunately, it was found in Davidson's chamber, which had already been surveyed by hundreds of men, and nobody had ever seen this before. But in 1837, now all of a sudden the cartouche is there. Therefore, this gigantic 454-foot high structure of 203 quarters of laser precision blocks going all the way up to 7,344 inches in Applethem, all of a sudden this great feat of architectural engineering was built by a fucking pharaoh who didn't even exist because of the first five dynasties of Egypt, there's no archaeology for them. They're just referenced because they're actually the first five dynasties of Sumer. And this was proven by Professor Waddell in the 1920s and 30s. The first five dynasties never existed. They were copied from the Sumerian the Sumerian dynasties themselves. And this is why the first Egyptian king was named Means. Because Means, writing from right to left, is the same thing as the Sumerian king Anum. A-N-A-M. They're the exact same word. One from left to right, one from right to left. Both of them are the, fir are the first king. But what Anum of Sumer was the first king of the sixth dynasty of Sumer, which which which, which translated as the first dynasty of Egypt. And Professor Waddell figured all that out. Problem is, in the king's chamber, no one had ever seen any hieroglyphics from Egypt, ever. And suddenly, in 1837, Colonel Weiss Colonel comes out and reports this and sends a telegraph. Telegraph finally makes it all the way around Jerusalem, all the way through through Greece and the Aegean, Turkey goes all the way up into Europe, and, and finally the message gets to London, and they're celebrating. But the problem is, Humphreys Brewer was in that crew, and he was convicted, and he didn't like how this shit was going down, and he told on him. He said, no, we were in there, we painted that, because the same red ochre that's being used in, uh, in ancient Egyptian monuments is the same shit that the locals are still making today from the same from the same materials. So we just used some of that and made it look old. Humphrey Brewers gave it all up, but it was too late. London had a great new hero with Colonel Howard Weiss. So what I'm saying is, is history is repeating itself. There's no writings inside the Great Pyramid, but it was that easy to perpetuate a lie with red ochre. It was that easy. And now it's an established Egyptological fact in all the encyclopedias that Khufu built the pyramid, although there's zero evidence for it. I, what I'm worried about is there's this Christian puritanical Christian right that's coming up, which isn't anything like the original Christianity that was humble and very intellectual and open-minded. This new Christianity is this Puritan Christianity that's coming up right now, which is militant and wanting to put the smash on every single belief system that, that doesn't align with their own. This new right that's rising right now in the Republican politics is uh, it's toxic. 
And if they were to pick up on something like this, it, then yeah, it's gonna it'll do it'll do two hundred years of damage to Egyptology. Hmm. So this. Sorry if I un- I'm sorry if I unleashed on you a little bit, man. I just been. Passionate, oh no, that's. About this. We 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 expect that from you, Jason. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We expect nothing less, sir. Honestly. Um, no, I appreciate it. In fact, we look forward to it. Yeah, I mean, totally. Um, I understand. Yeah, like, I need to. I need to go on YouTube and talk about, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to do a therapy session and then pull you guys on, on live on YouTube. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I'm down. I will be your, we can be your therapy, be your autism blanket, whatever, you know. Hey, yes. you guys are more, hey, if we can tone it down to where it's, you know, YouTube acceptable, y'all can pick a topic and we, we can go on YouTube just like this. We are grownups for the most part, Jack. Um, hey, I can be good when I, I'm told I need to be. Just assume that. Most times you need to be, but uh, no. <laughs> well, you know, when we're not on say show, about assuming when yeah. we're not on this show, you have to be good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But we would love that, yeah. to, Jason. Yeah, yeah we'd be honored. Yes. Just pick, pick a topic or something, and shoot, we can do it next week. I don't care. I'm off. I'm always breaking pattern. I, I never let, I never let my my community know my next move. Uh, I'll, I'll announce what I'm researching, what videos I'm doing, but I'm always throwing videos we're not even expecting in. Oh yeah. Well, let's do the let's do the um let's do the video game thing first, like for sure, and then we'll yeah. go, we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, ja- what was the book? What was the, uh, Jason? You were gonna you were gonna send the book o- a book over to Jack. To oh, that's right. I was gonna bring that up, and then I forgot to photocopy PDF. It was something about Jews, where there was like only like ten copies or something made, and you have one of them. Oh yeah. I got a bunch of them. I got a, I got a bunch of PDFs of, of, of these type of books. Yeah, like any book that is no, not in PDF that we form that you want made, I can make it happen. Yeah. What do you mean? Print up a paper copy? No, uh, to print up to take a paper copy and turn it into a PDF. It was something like that. Okay, yeah. There's yeah. Uh, I have a book called Extremely Rare by Veritas Publishing called Operation Zion. That's the one, I believe. Yep, that's yep. it. Yep. A geopolitical strategy for world dominion. I also have a... Uh, I also have the uh, the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. Oh, we have that, yeah. But yes, oh, absolutely. Uh, I've yeah. got uh, "Tell the Truth and Shame the Devil" by Gerard Menuhin. Ooh, I have a PDF yeah, of that. All, this is all copy. about Jewish intrigues. One of my favorite oh. books, though, and it's because I'm a chronologist. But one of my favorite books is uh, Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, "The Synagogue of Satan." That's a great book. I have an entire shelf. My my wife calls it my Jew shelf. And <laughs> you guys have seen the library, right? Everybody's like post yeah. physique. I'm like post library. The only person I'm afraid to post library against is Jason, to be honest. Yeah, that's uh... like, I look at I watch Jason's videos and he's sitting there with his fucking literal like repository of Alexandria there. And I'm like, I got a lot of I know. I mean, I have a lot of nice books, too. And I'm just like a little bit jealous, man. I am a little bit jealous. I have to admit. Well, you ever you ever come passing through Willis, Texas, you can come check it out. I'm going to got a, bring I've a got, backpack and end up. Nice you have one. to check my bag when I leave. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> I got a real nice one today. Uh, I've been I've been uh, doing decodes of the book of Revelation in the original language. It, it was supposed to be decoded in, which is great. And oh. today, Dawn came in she went to an antique shop because she had to go to a, a funeral with some friends and there was uh-huh. an antique shop close by so she she jumped in there and they had a book in 1852 uh american to greek lexicon so she Ooh. scooped that up 
Oh, cool. I've been telling everybody I know, I've been telling everybody I know, if you can find books printed before 1850, grab them and give them to me or tell me how much they were and I'll buy them. But books before 1850, um, like that's, they're extremely hard to find. Yeah, they are. Yeah, but if you ever come through Willis, I'll show you a whole shelf of books I have from the 1700s. Oh, I know, I know, man. I've 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 screenshot and zoomed in on your shelves before. I'm very jealous. <laughs> oh, you're all in my business, man. I have, dude. Ooh. I'm a I'm a I'm a reader. I'm a nerd, but it's okay. Uh, I yeah, I have, I have shelves. I have shelves of you know. I have three different shelves of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica's from from different eras. You know what's great is to look at those and to see how they've changed the narratives throughout the uh, the updates. Like I, I have yeah. one. Well, my my mom has them, but they're like nineteen, nineteen fifties, Encyclopedia Britannica, wow. and then like a nineteen seventies. I have a nineteen eighties, and they're all. Did you guys? Did you guys see that that deal with Owen Benjamin on Twitter? He had a. Uh, he know, showed a video of, of him flipping through nineteen fifty eight Encyclopedia yes. Britannica, and it shows Holocaust wasn't even in there. Yes. Pretty yep. sure, pretty sure that's the same one my mom has, and it's not in there. Yeah. Well, well, that was around the time that the Red Cross <laughs> did their assessment of how many people died, and they said it was around two hundred seventy-eight thousand Jews. Yeah. Yeah, Red Cross. That was after they were compromised because I know, uh, they initially Red Cross initially went in the uh, late forties, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. early early fifties, yeah. and they saw they noticed that the. Those were delousing oven. I mean, delousing chambers. They weren't ovens, right? Yep. And uh, you know, they tried to publish up, publicize that, and they were silenced. Yep. Weird. You didn't have to do fourteen months of podcast about that either, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think the inscription at Auschwitz has been crossed out and then replaced with a bigger number, like three different times. A smaller number. Yeah. Yeah, small. It's like a it's like a million now. I think meant, right. But the so, the end a, the end number never changes though. It's right. It's well, like it's like it's first it was like three point six million Jews were killed here, and now it's down to like eight hundred thousand or something like that. But oh, that's how they did it. Right, right. <clears throat> the official narrative is still six million Jews, no matter no matter what. Yeah, and we've gone, we've done this before. Like we did on Paranormies in season two, we did uh, Reinhardt. You remember these two episodes, uh, the Holocaust debunking episodes. There were a lot of fun. Like we talked about. I remember those. We talked about all the funny things that the Jews talked about, like the Holocauster and the masturbation machines. Like yeah, the Holocauster <laughs> is my favorite. Dude, they Minecraft have masturbation mod. machines now. They're called VR things with the fucking flashlight <laughs> that does itself. Like, like nobody's dying from this. I have friends. I'm like, nigga, have you gone outside in a week? Put the flashlight away. Nobody's dying. <laughs> nobody's dying from getting masturbated. Nobody's ever died from being masturbated. Okay, I don't care. I was a degenerate once. I tried. I, if anybody tried. <laughs> It was me. Okay. At one point I tried to kill myself masturbating. It's impossible. Okay. You can't jerk somebody off to death. Sorry. Just that's doesn't happen. Quote. And that's, that's a quote. True. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was always my favorite one was the masturbation machines. I'm like, I grew up in a Baptist Christian family. I found this year's catalog at an early age, you know, like anyway, Telling you too much uh, for about me, myself. it was the the, the holocaust because, like, me being autistic, yeah, the, the, the holocaust. <laughs> like, yeah, 
And the fact that, uh, that a the German would design just that, dumps you in the oven, right? Like, that a German what? would design something that <laughs> ended so abruptly. No, you know yeah, I mean? no, no, I'm not buying it. Nah, none of that stuff. Like, and, and we talked about we did two whole episodes on it. We got past it and we moved on. And like, then we just noticed all the Jews everywhere else, literally everywhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if Zahi Hawass was Jewish. Like other uh, certain podcasters, uh, you know, who dwell on that topic, I never refer people to like their show and never have. No. What I did refer and will always refer to them is uh, those two episodes. Those are good episodes. If you're going, they to, were. If you're going like, to it, debunk, the it's Holocaust. everything you need to know in two episodes rather than listening to like <laughs> six million episodes of some show that. Just in general sucks. Okay, okay. Like Okay, okay, okay. We get it. Yeah. We do. We yeah. Get it. Like like um, why why do that? It's con- it's condensed for you. It's look, the people like Jason said, like when Jews need to be spoken about, they get spoken about. You don't have to you don't have to harp on them. You don't have to be it's the Jews constantly. And that whole that whole thing has kind of put um like a, a like a stain on a lot of the things that we do talk about because a lot of the people that do talk about this kind of stuff that we talk about go on and on and on about the Jews. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Getting lumped in with them doesn't help us at all. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a we have, the whole world's already a captured operation. Yeah, I'm absolutely. A, I'm gonna, we have always said here at the Paranormies it wasn't, and again, like even like real quick going back to that, it's not just the Jews. They need a lot of help from everybody else. They needed Cromwell to let them back into England. They needed, yes, they did. You know what I mean? They, it's, it's always we call it Jews and friends. Yep. You know, they they always have their 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 Shabbos Goyim, their whatever you want to call them, their 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 friends, the people who actually outrank them, like the the elites who actually you know quote rule the countries, but uh, they're the one, but they're being enabled by these Jews who are who are bankers and and what have you, um, mafia. Um, but yeah, anyways, moving on. Let's. Jason, I I appreciated what you said the other day about the Jews having been. Uh, offered a deal for, for for example like a long time ago and their acceptance of that deal was that they would be rulers of the material world and the uh, finances and banking and the the seats of power and those sorts of things are theirs but they're stuck here and mm-hmm. uh, they're not getting out and they have to continue to fulfill their end of the deal or that gets taken away too so they're actually trapped and more enslaved than any oh, of us it's, it's, it's dungeon programming i mean this is yes. why the talmud is structured that way so they will keep to this format because if they deviate they're in trouble which they're explains trying. why they're so old-fashioned in our eyes right now looking at them right. look, looking at them now looking at looking at the sewer jews the ones that came out of the, the hole in the ground <laughs> and they're in in, yeah. in, in brooklyn uh, <clears throat> all the stuff that they're doing, like 109 times they've been, 109 countries they've been kicked out of 1,100 times for the same four fucking crimes or whatever it is, right? No. It's like four or five different things they do: usury, pedophilia, uh, coin clipping, coin clipping. Yeah, it's like it's like the same four things, pretty much, right? Um, the 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 metitza pibe, yeah, that you know, um, all, all the like I said, the same four things, uh, and they. 
skull. How many times have we said this though? That they are they're the dragons. They're they don't they're not allowed. They they hoard on this earth because there's no there's no heaven. There's no hell for them. Uh, Jews don't believe in anything. That's why they have no qualms about any sort of what we would consider sin. Nothing that they do has any sort of consequences because there is no consequence for them. Because there is no, I mean, there isn't. I mean, their their culture takes care of its own. They make sure they have the right job. Think about it. You don't have uh, nepotism I, is I built mean, into was, their society. I was educated in the trades. I was educated in the trades, so I got I got a little bit of plumbing under my hat, a little bit of roofing under my hat, and general construction. I went into stone masonry, and I got really good at that. Specialized in it, and made a lot of money doing that as I built my YouTube channel. But you know what? You don't have any Jewish carpenters, lumberjacks. Uh, heavy equipment operators. You don't have any any Jewish uh, uh, Jews working in sanitation. You don't have any Jew- Jewish electricians. You don't have any. Occasionally, Jews you'll have one or trades. two. Occasionally, you'll have one. To, to be fair, I know of a couple of Jewish electricians. Being an electrician, I know of a couple. But okay, like, that, that's interesting. I don't know any, but I can't say that they don't exist. Very, I would again, wonder, very rarely. I would wonder how Jewish that, yeah. they are. Well, you know, you have the couple of. You have the one or two rebellious ones who are like, I'm going to go work with my hands, dad. You know, like, whatever. Ma, actually, it'd be mom, not dad. Let's yeah. be honest. Nobody's, they're not, their father's in the corner. Just, just, just go ahead, Joel. Yeah. Just go ahead. Okay. Just go well, ahead. We'll You're going to make your mother rules. mad, but go ahead and be a plumber, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, that's, that's the powerful thing about rules. There's always exceptions to them. So, it's the a, exceptions but, prove the rule. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah, the exceptions prove the rule, meaning 99.9% of what I just said was pretty much accurate. Oh, for sure. About, for sure. No, no, you're right. You're right. I, not, yes. not being in the trades. They don't do the hand. They I, have jobs that allow them to siphon off of other people's wealth. Jason, so, there is a poster out there with quotes that I have said. And one of the things was when I was working for a shop called Rosenden Electric. Rosenden. Um, I was like, Jews will own the companies, but they won't work with the tools. And that is on the, you guys have seen the, Jack, you've seen that picture with like my, with the quotes around my face on my docs. I am pretty sure. Yeah. And it was like Jews, because I'm in, I'm in construction and I, I made that comment that the only Jew I've ever seen in the trades owned the company. Mm. So. It's not a lot of Jewish janitors. No. Yeah. I know a Polish. You know, Jewish yeah, janitors. I, uh, really, I knew one thing. Jewish janitor in a school, and he was arrested for molestation. Amazing. Oh. <laughs> Amazing how that works. Wow. <laughs> wow. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> I could have never predicted this. <laughs> what? A Jewish, a Jewish janitor in an elementary school, you say? Middle school. Middle. Oh, uh, even better. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's even kind of, I don't know, man. That's like, God. Hey, arrested you know for molestation. Been. Hey guys, I've never, I I mean, out of twelve or thirteen prisons, seven or eight of them being maximum security, and the rest of them medium security, I've been I've been from, uh, I've been trustee status a few times, but most of the time I was I was in the dungeon because that was the only place I could get my freedom to to write books, read, and not be not have to work in prison industries. Hmm. I don't recall ever meeting a Jew in my 26 years of sojourn in Texas prison. Not a, a Jewish prisoner. I don't believe I've ever met one. Now, I do know some white guys that put Jewish on their travel cards so they could get the kosher meals and all that. But they weren't real, really real Jewish. They were Christians who had converted to Judaism so they could get a better diet. 
Yeah, I don't. But, I, I believe that if there is a Jew that actually does go through the American judicial judicial system and gets, you know, so, manages to get through the with the Jewish lawyer and the Jewish attorneys and the Jewish prosecutors and the Jewish judges and all of the critarchy and all that, and does manage to go to prison, they go to the uh, the Jared Fogel type prison where it's not a real prison. You know what I mean? Yeah. The no. the Bernie Madoff no. type deal. And most of them don't because that's kind of the thing like with the whole like you've heard the rules about like the Freemasons meeting in court, right? Like that yeah. whole deal. Yeah. yeah. No, they really mean Jews. Yeah, of course I do. That's who founded them. Exactly. Exactly. We've, we've caught, talked about this on the show before about how the, the just Freemasonry is just Judaism for goys. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It really is, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're, you're a giant dog in the desert. Yes. Anubis. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a man's head on a cat's body, right? I mean, that's totally a lion. I mean, it's got to be well, a lion, right? No, I'm just okay. I'm being. Oh, I'm being okay. right. I, I hear you say that, but I, I mean, there's before you ever enter a conversation about the Sphinx in Egypt, that's in front of the second pyramid. We need to be on the same page. And that page is, do you agree or not agree that the head is about four times disproportionate than the mass of the body? Oh, absolutely. It, yes. It looks ridiculous. I don't know yeah. anybody. so tiny. I don't know anybody who, even like the most normie, tarded retard who's like, no, Napoleon shot off the nose and like, like whatever, quoting whatever the History Channel, even the History Channel is like, that's not the original head. So, yeah, yeah. And it's 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 bad, too. It's really bad. Yeah, it's it's so bad that even the width of the headdress is still perfectly aligned anatomically with the wideness of a canine neck. Right. As if the whole head is gone and what was left was a stump. That was the neck. And then went ahead and carved a face out of it. Yeah. They just, there was, yeah, there was a large dog's head with large long ears. That was probably another hundred feet taller than what it is. You said that the feet were later additions as well, right, Jason? Yeah, the feet, the feet aren't natural rock outcrops like like the rest of the like the rest of the statue. The paws uh, have been bricked in the last two hundred years or so. Somebody added a bunch of brickwork with modern cement in there, oh. and you get a close up on on you can even you can even see it on Google. The uh, the actual the actual cat's paws aren't original at all. These are these the lion's paws. These are these are uh, modern brickwork. Many people have made comments about it. It's a uh, uh, those are fresh bricks. Those are not. Those are not nothing ancient about those about okay. those paws. So when you say when you say natural rock formation, you mean carved rock, right? It's not like those. Well, the rest. Well, okay, okay. Well, the rest of the Sphinx. Okay, before the pyramids were there, before the Sphinx temples were there, before before any of the outlying ramps, uh, any of the recesses, the hollows. Before that, when that was just a plateau. Mm -hmm. Before they before they planed it absolutely flat so they could they can start building on it. How did they plane a, it? How nope, did they plane such nope. a large area? Hold on, there was a natural outcrop okay. of, of limestone there, mm -hmm. and that natural outcrop was just a, it was just an extension of the limestone plateau, and they carved it into uh, a canine. 
somebody else after a cataclysm, after that that statue had been had been damaged heavily, somebody else came and recarved it into the best approximation of a feline. Mm -hmm. But um, it's all. Uh, Who do you think that was, Jason? Do you have a hunch? It was done before before the 14th century BC, but after the 23rd century BC. Um, it, I mean, I can pretty much narrow it down because 340 years after the collapse of the vapor canopy is the year 2239 BC to 1899 BC. That's 340 years the Sphinx was underwater and being damaged. Uh, in 1899, 1898 is when Means appeared in a fleet of ships. This is after the Egyptian Delta appeared. The Triton Sea drained out. This is why they found the, the Sphinx. The Triton Sea drained out, according to Diodorus Siculus and Strabo. Both of them are ancient Greek and Roman uh, geographers. And when the Triton Sea drained out, it left two things. One, it left the Sahara Desert. And two, uh, it exposed the Sphinx. And the Sphinx was largely buried. And the pyramids were buried up to about 60 feet. So the uh, for the first 200 years... Uh, the Egyptian exposure to to the site it was it was too muddy. Uh, it, it was a part of the Egyptian delta. They, they just didn't mess with. It. This is why the older Egyptian pyramids that are younger than the Great Pyramids are a little bit further south. That's where the dry land was. It was only about after two hundred to two hundred and fifty years, around seventeen sixty to to seventeen twenty BC, that some pharaoh went in there in that in that window right there. Some pharaoh went in there and carved and change that sphinx to a feline, which is okay. a in recognition, so, recognition of the goddess Sekhmet. And uh, Sekhmet has always been attached to the idea of the pyramids in ancient Egypt, but nobody ever knew why. Sekhmet was the ancient goddess of the calendar. And um, she's attached to the phoenix as well in, in the uh, uh, in the Heliopolitan cult, cult. She was protector of the Benben, which is shaped like a pyramid. But she's a, she, mm -hmm. she was an Egyptian goddess. She was an Egyptian goddess. So her her holy the holy symbol that represents Sekhmet is two things. One was a female female lion was a lioness, and two was a phoenix palm, which in Egypt the palm trees are called phoenixes. So how okay? So the first carving of the Sphinx was Anubis the dog. Okay, that that would be pre cataclysm. Pre cataclysm. That is during an that's pre-cataclysm, way before the world was destroyed. A different science, a different technology. Uh, white people were basically called the shining ones in ancient Egypt. They were called Shimsu Hor. Would that in be the, the Tuatha De Danann? They were called. They were called Anuna. Um, okay, those the Anuna. Uh, were, okay, the Anuna. Yes, okay. the Anuna. Okay. Uh, only after the cataclysm did the Babylonians refer to the Anuna as Anunnaki. They added the key uh, uh, to it, but the original Sumerian texts they're Anuna, and they were just Caucasians. And they, were, they had their infrastructure intact, and they knew a cataclysm, cataclysm was coming, and they were prepared for it. They did not share the secret with indigenous populations. Okay. <clears throat> so what, what, what do you think, I mean, like, honestly, like, w what kind of technology do you think originally carved stuff like, like the Sphinx? Okay, well, well, let's go by what we know. And what we know is that in South America, dated for the dated to the exact same periods, mm -hmm. to the 26th century BC to the 18th century BC, we have whole sides of mountains in Peru that have upside down staircases that have whole recesses that are technolithic. It looks like a machine with a laser just went in there and cut 
templates out of rock. They're experimenting with thrones and chairs and, and uh, astrolabs and sundials. Mm-hmm. And they had some type of technology they could literally just carve into the side of a cliff and pull out the exact shape they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, they could do they could do this with with huge megalithic blocks in situ. Because this is the common denominator. Right. At Belbeck, the largest block ever ever excavated in the entire world is still lying in situ. The mm. largest statue lying in situ is on Easter Island. And it's the same technique for both. There was some type of technology that was used to shape a statues and blocks to the dimensions they want while they were still attached to living rock. And the very last thing they do with cut underneath it, which is, it, it, it boggles the mind. We don't know what technology they were using to make sure the weight didn't fall as soon as they made the undercut to release it from the living rock. Right, that was, we don't know I've why. seen the picture, I've, I've seen the picture yeah. of like, what is it, like a, um, it's an obelisk that's like lying on its side and they're, they're carving it yes. out of the earth. Yeah, is that same That's in Egypt, yeah. Right. Well, here's, 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 my, here's my question for that. Here's my question for that. So the Sphinx is the final piece of art, large piece of architecture that they did with this equipment. Where are all the intermediate ones? I'm like, where's like the, the, the half-size model? Where's the, where's the, where are all of the, the, uh, the like, like you said, like in South America, there's the upside-down um, staircases. There's all the practice pieces. Where are all the practice Sphinxes? Oh, that's good. I, well, that's, I mean, pre-cataclysm, you know, we're talking about a destruction of the world for which we're not going to really be, I mean, think about my video on 1902 today. There, there was whole cities, whole cities that were filled in seconds behind what happened in 1902. So uh, if we can't even, if we can't even manufacture machines today that can last a hundred years, I mean, think about the beaches of Normandy, Right. how much of that stuff is still out there? That salt water hasn't already corroded all the way down. Mm-hmm. How many World War II World War II tanks are still out there in German battlefields and, and in France and all the lines? Mm. How much how much armament from World War One has survived in forests that that are that, you know spread throughout Europe? Uh, I'm not saying I know. What I'm saying is right. is all these things deteriorate very rapidly. Sure, and I'm not I'm things. not like trying to just I'm not trying to dissuade anybody for anything. I'm just saying like, you know, that's one of those things like when we look at like when we look at the the insane architecture of some of the things like we were just talking about before before uh before you joined us, talking about like Des Moines, Iowa or the state capitol in Connecticut or like there's there's these ridiculous buildings, right? And there's like literally no build-up architecture there's like no oh i get i get what you're saying yeah i've got a lot of pictures from my own library all these old books in here uh i i, I pay john big john he takes pictures of all these i've been showing them on my channel in different videos but mm-hmm. somebody some of this some of this architecture is astonishing, astonishing. Hey, but you know what i'm saying though right there's this there's this ridiculous basilica looking state capital courthouse whatever you know what i mean like, they were just like fuck it we're yeah, doing it live right and then like everywhere else was like a shotgun shack you know like yeah, but, but there's no in betweens there's nothing in between there's just this you know this dichotomy of slums of of shotgun shacks and then you have you know uh this the the museum of, of whatever it is, the the fine arts, the palace of fine arts in San Francisco. You know what I mean? It's like ridiculous. It's just, well, look, it's just, David Hatcher Childress addresses this topic and he, and he brings to the table something unique. I've never been able to get this out of my mind, but he shows in one of his books on central America, mm-hmm. a Mayan freeze. 
And in this Mayan freeze, it shows two bearded guys wearing helmets and backpacks. Hmm. And there's hoses that come out the bottom of the backpacks, and they're holding a gun-like or thing that looks like a horn. And they're spraying what looks like they, it looks like they're spraying uh, on a wall, but but they're actually building the wall with the spray. And, okay. You know, so it's like shot creep. So they have like a shot creep thing on their back. This is what this is what sh- it shows this on, on like an eight hundred year old Mayan freeze. Interesting. You know, he shows this in his book, and there's there's no there's really no other way around this. It really looks like they're building with the spray. Whatever right. the spray is, they're actually molding rock with the shit. Like they're spraying a polymer or something. Almost right. Like yeah. a, a so, yeah. Exactly. I want to know if David did did David David did he say why were they spraying that? I'm sorry. Okay. I don't know. You know what? He used to be my hero. I read all of his books. I, I got, like I like David. One book I haven't read, and it's on the Olmecs, and I've got it right here in my library. But I'm not excited about reading it. And I'm just he's me, well. He's part of he's he's one of the longest lasting or one of the furthest going back on that Ancient Aliens show. So he's definitely yeah, he's like he's he's gone to the dark side, man. Yeah, he's I, definitely I in on it. I yeah, I can't do Ancient Aliens. Why? Why? That's what I'm saying. Like, why were they carrying backpacks? You're telling me, Jason, you don't sit up at 4 a.m. just drinking a beer and watching a a marathon of Ancient Aliens reverse? Hell yeah, brother. Oh, shit. Reinhardt's still here. Hi, Reinhardt. Say, Reinhardt, I'll be up at 4 a.m. with a beer. I'm watching something else. I'll promise you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or you're recording at 4 a.m. Right. Yeah. All right. That's crazy. That's terrible. Jason of RK has got OnlyFans. Now, come on. <laughs> oh. Don't no, see that's okay. So you can't say that because former friends of ours actually do have OnlyFans. So yeah. Yeah. Oof. Oh. that is correct. It's it's, it's not, not funny. Hate. It's not funny. And I and when I say former, I mean actually former friends. We are actually no longer there's no, yeah, we're not friends. There, were, there yeah. was no connection for years. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh shit! So this is what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, wow. Crazy. And people, people crazy. who listen to the show will be like, oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. It's like one of those. Yeah. Oh yeah, Laura Bush killed a guy. I actually updated uh, someone that I basically IRL friend of mine that I've known since pre kindergarten. And uh, was in DFP and updated him with that. And uh, yeah. When you say you've known somebody since pre-kindergarten, that means like when you guys were like 19, right? No, I mean like literally like uh, pre-kindergarten. You still have friends from when you were three? Wow. Yeah, dude. Wow. Fucking uh, because my older brother was friends with uh, his older sisters. Okay. And then we ended up, yeah, we okay. like we live like, okay, okay, we live. don't need the, okay, that's cool, yeah, thank you. We live close, all right, all right. We don't need the whole entire, yeah, chronology. But uh, yeah, he was just like, holy shit, it's that bad. Yeah, it's that bad. Yeah, it's unfortunately, like, unfortunately, modernity, you know, the uh, the industrial revolution and its consequences. Yeah, he was aware of like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, like this dude yeah, went yeah. downhill, but yeah. he never right, let's, let's, truly understood yeah, how let's, bad. Okay, let's 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 leave that. Let's leave that. As, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Anyways, so yes, 
Um, Jason, let's why don't we can we take a quick break real quick and come back with some more. I want to talk more about Egypt and stuff because uh, we have we have a, actually we have a list of questions that we want to go over. If that's cool. Oh yeah, I'm here. All right, cool. Uh, we're gonna take five and come back. Sure. Oh. This is still the Paranormies. I am still Johnny Van Oxide with Otterwaffen Jack, Skull, Grognak, and our guest, Jason from Archaics. Uh, Grognak, you had a question. Yeah, we were talking about like pyramid news. 
some of the recent pyramid news I heard recently was uh, that they were trying to put some of the casing blocks back on the smallest pyramid, the third pyramid. Did you hear about that, Jason? What do you think about it? it? I I did see one item pop up on it, and I kind of thought it was laughable. Uh, Not that they won't attempt it, but the I don't know if we're capable today of the precision that they were back then with that type of weight. The casing blocks on the Great Pyramid were 100, 100 inches thick. They're 20 to 22 tons each, and they were they were they were glued together with an adhesive that's 150th of an inch thick, and yet it was harder than the actual casing blocks themselves. Uh, it's definitely geopolymer and base. It has it has a lot of barrel mixed into it. Uh, we don't really know what its full composition is. Barrel, like do... beryllium? Yeah, uh, the semi-precious stone barrel was okay. crushed into a powder. Okay. And uh, added 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 to the, uh, uh, whatever whatever that base is they use for the, hmm. the adhesive. I remember um, the the research of engineer David Davidson, they, they couldn't quite conclude what all the chemicals were that were used. They just knew that it was highly sophisticated. Um, but the problem, my problem with the whole scenario is, 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 we're not we're not in the same world as as that world that right. built the pyramids. We don't have the same technology. We don't have the same uh, uh, atmospheric pressure. The vapor canopy world was fundamentally different. That means the machine technology would have been different as well. Mm-hmm. So when you have when you have a lot of oxygen to deal with, uh, it's going to change the type of machines that you're using. When when you have uh, increased atmospheric pressure, it's going to be totally different. When you're dealing not with natural rock. But you're only mining. You're only you're strip mining all these quarries for for rock. But you're liquefying the rock and adding all kinds of geopolymers into them in order and pouring them into molds to make these perfect perfect blocks that are that are marble smooth and able to be glued together with such precision. And I don't know if we're capable of that with, with the te- limited technology we have. It's not what we're used to building. Uh, even modern skyscrapers today, their tolerances are not perfect. No, uh, you not can at all. see this. You can see this from a dis- distance. You can see how the glass doesn't always line up. Even the marble on the side of bank buildings. If you were to stand on the corner of a New York bank and look at look down uh, at certain times of day, you can see where the marble comes out and goes. They didn't have that. Laser pointers on the casing stones of the Great Pyramid, even after four thousand eight hundred years, are perfect. Now the other the 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 core limestone blocks aren't like that, but the four casing blocks are. Those casing blocks were fantastically smooth. The tolerances were perfect. I don't know if we're able to do that. So me, I personally believe that even the Great Pyramid at 454 feet tall could have been built in just 90 years, and it would have only required about 600 men using. Equipment, heavy equipment, machines, conveyors. There's only a certain amount of blocks that need to be made every day. There's 365 days. Well, back then there was 360 days a year. After 90 years, it would have been very easy at, what, 70 to 80 blocks a day to to crank out. If you're pouring them, it's very easy, especially if you had molds that were laid out over over several acres and you were to pour all that out, you would have have, uh, uh, 100 blocks a day that you you could sit there and pull them Corium, transport them, all done by machines. Uh, I believe I, I, I'm 100% of the opinion that what we're dealing with is a technologically advanced society that built these structures. And anybody's trying to do it any other way is just wasting their time. Hey, Jason, uh, can we see one of the one or any of the casing blocks today? I noticed, um, I know that you've talked about like the way that we know that 
they exist as they were found in the rubble underneath the pyramid. But yeah, uh, as a matter as a matter of fact, there's some very good pictures of the casing blocks available. I've showed them on my channel. They're I'm talking about pictures that were taken just in the last couple of years. Oh, uh, they they protect the hell out of them. Uh, they they even for a while they even had a little small building over them. But uh, can we see them? Like, is there a like a museum exhibit or something where we could go and go? Oh, this is one of the casing blocks. No, they're, they they can't move them. They're twenty tons. They're twenty tons each, and they're still glued to the Great Pyramid. But there's where do you think? Where do you think they went? Oh well, that's that's easy. I mean, that's a, that's even in the historical record. In 1302 to 1356, a series of earthquakes rocked northern Egypt, and it, and whole a whole uh uh it's like a mudslide, but a mm-hmm. whole slide of these just just slowed off the Great Pyramid, and the local local Muslims in Cairo saw all this available building material. And this is how all the building, uh, so many buildings in, in Cairo are white. It's, as a matter of fact, the Muslims claim that the entire mosque of Sultan Hassan was built using these casing stones. They, they, so, the engineers started breaking them all off. So they stole. Is, is there anything like cross where the case, I've heard you say the casing box need to go back on the pyramid. Uh, one of its prophecies. Is there anything that cross like lines up with them? coming off as to the date they're going to go back on. I don't know. Let's see. Oh, uh, I haven't even looked at that. I don't even know. Uh, I know in 1302 was the first earthquake. And then by 1356, most of it had already been quarried off and it was another earthquake. And that's when they went and got the rest of it. Uh, the only reason there's four casing stones left, what are the pictures on my desktop right now, but I'm on my I'm on the wrong computer. That just showed three really good pictures of those casing blocks. And I don't, I don't know what video I showed that in. Done hmm. so many damn videos. So you're saying that they, that the locals quarried the stones off and then built their city out of the stones off of the pyramids. Well, a lot of a lot of the a lot of that was used for ballast because in the desert, okay, before they can have a a, a solid road, they actually dig out of the desert mm. and then they'll lay a whole a whole bunch of broken rock from all kinds of older monuments and all that stuff and they'll build all their roads using former structures. This is why so much so many of the edifices in ancient Egypt are gone. They so made roads out of them. Yeah, they made in, roads out of them. Yeah, in Mexico, if you look at the cathedrals, the catedrals in uh, Mexico City, many of them are built from the pyramids and the structures of the uh, Aztecs and then you can see a pyramid and then right next to it will be this big Christian cathedral that uh, is made of the exact same material. Right. Yeah. The edges are kind of chipped off. They're like, Oh, that, that, you know, you know, that one didn't yeah. get carved out quite so smoothly. Yeah. It's cause yeah, you stole you, it from if, over there. If you were just to, to, uh, if you were just to Google a great pyramid and Giza casing blocks, you're going to see a bunch of pictures. Mm. Yeah. There's four of them. The only reason they found them is because the Muslim extraction engineers had had broken so much of the rock off the 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 whole twenty foot high all the way around the Great Pyramid was was just rubble, and so they, they just left it all there, hmm. and uh they never they never cared to dig in the rubble and find out they left four of those blocks behind, and we're glad they did, or we would have never had any archaeological proof they existed. This this may sound like a movie question, but when um. The casing blocks were intact on the pyramid. Was it um, 
so like the way they are now, they're blocks. And if you look at it from a distance, it's very straight. But if you get up close, they look like, you know, Legos or something. But back then, was it one straight line down that? Uh, uh, exactly. The casing blocks were laser smooth, precise. You could not climb. The ancients described that they could not climb the Great Pyramid. There's no way to get okay. up it. Right. Uh, it was, okay. It was too smooth. Um, uh, it, was, it was described as a building that it was an optical illusion. From 40 miles away, you could see the Great Pyramid at 454 feet high. And as you got closer and closer to it, it looked like it was it was dropping from the sky. And as you got 20 miles away, it looked closer to the ground. 10 miles away, it looked close, even closer to the ground. Five miles away, it looked even closer to the ground. The whole time, you're uh, as you're spending an entire day or two trying to get closer and closer to the Giza complex, uh, passing passing through through a, a, a northern Egypt, it, looking like the Great Pyramid was lowering and lowering and lowering. And finally, once you're two miles away, you can see that it's sitting on the ground. And you already know this is the optical illusion you can see on any American highway. You see, you see this stuff all the time. But uh, the Great Pyramid is so huge, and the heat the heat rising off the ground to Strabo, Diodorus Siculus, Plutarch, Ammianus, Marcellinus, Herodotus of Halicarnassus. All these writers wrote about the Great Pyramid, and they all described it as a great white building. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was unclimbable. There was no way to get up it. Wow. This this is stupid, but the Lego uh, set that they make, <laughs> you know, they make these really fancy Lego sets now, but right. they do make it like that. The original white pyramid. Yeah, so uh, smooth, like the Luxor pyramid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always found that funny that the Luxor pyramid was completely smooth, but every other pyramid is steps so you could like run up it, you know, with yeah. the light at the top too. the, 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 the capstone as light, Jason yeah. says, the key, yeah, the capstone yeah, the is capstone. a light. that's the brightest light in the world. And that one actually has the intact capstone on top. You can see it from the it's moon, the brightest right? light in the world. Wow. Yeah. From the yeah. moon. You yeah. Can it's see the brightest it. light in the world. Or at least it was something years ago. I've been trying to say I, that when for I like a minute now. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Who said that? You can see it from the moon. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, man. Implying. <laughs> right, well, right. You can see it from the moon. That's a bright-ass light. That there. is a bright-ass light. Uh, if, you can see, if you can see it from the moon, then what are you doing up there, first of all? I'm begging the question. If you don't believe we went to the moon, then how would we see the Luxor light? Now, God darn it. <laughs> skull. I almost called you Dogbot. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I'm so used to being like, "God damn it, Dogbot!" But yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised it's not "God damn it, Jack." No, it, hey, it hardly ever sad? is. Hey guys, what's sad is if if there was a full systemic reset tomorrow, do you know that within five years society would probably start a couple of cults, and the two biggest cults would probably be I'm talking about some full systemic reset. Everybody's going back to year one. Right. All the bullets are gone after the first three weeks because everybody shot each other. Oh, right. And, yeah, and absolutely. Manufacturing any bullets. And within 48 hours, all the stores are empty. So here it is two years later, and we have two huge divisions in society. We have this one huge division in society, two factors. Those who believe that we went to the moon and those. Right. <laughs> instead of, I bet you, honestly, God, I bet you that's true. And you know what's fucked up is Joe Rogan predicted this about, how old is my son? 17, 18 years ago. I saw a Joe Rogan comedy special where he talks about 
when like when everything goes bad and like the, you know the the EMP and the nukes go off and everybody's off into the woods and you know like you can't you don't know how to make a cell phone work but you know how to work a cell phone right you don't know how to make a cell phone like nobody knows how to make anything anymore yeah everybody knows how to use stuff right so like everything goes bad and everybody goes off and the bullets are all gone and the food is all gone and everybody's up in the mountains and living like monkeys for however long and they come down into the remnants of the old cities and they look at the he buildings. talks about moving into the pyramids in that joke yeah exactly yeah exactly he literally does yep he talks about moving into the pyramids yeah exactly there ain't no way to live in a pyramid no, i'm just no. saying but like he's talking about like what you know what the supposedly the mayans supposedly did yeah yeah that's crazy apocalypto yeah <laughs> mel gibson's <laughs> totally our guy it's a good movie though it is a good movie but totally not our guy yeah. yeah. Have you seen that one, Jason? Apocalypto? Yeah, I saw it. It's pretty graphic. It's graphic yes. and yeah. fake. It's very very much so. Yeah, so were were those guys really waiting for the Phoenix event that they thought was gonna happen and we we're just making jokes that they don't understand eclipses? That seemed to be the point, right? I kind of yeah. yeah. So they're just yeah, too a, dumb. There are a lot of Phoenix references that are passed off as eclipses. One of the best ones is uh, in Clash of the Titans, where when the when the Kraken is rising up and Perseus is about to fight him and Andromeda is about to get sacrificed, the the sun darkens. There's a huge eclipse in the sky. Oh yeah, where, I remember. You know, oh yes, was that the yeah. one with the, the the stop motion yeah. one, right? Yeah, in the movie, Cla- yeah, in the, the stop motion movie from the seventies. Yeah, in, the, in that movie of Clash of the Titans, they pass it off as like an eclipse of, of the moon, but that's not in the in the mythology. It wasn't. It was Phoenix. And uh, okay. But yeah, oh, so well. who, who makes who sense? Promoted, um, who was Typhon and who was the Kraken? Because the Kraken is used as a allegory for the Phoenix, right? Yeah, well, well, the story is ancient. It goes back to 1687 BC, so it, it passes through many filters and a few resets, and it takes on many forms. I'll give you an example. Uh, in the beginning, Medusa was no different than Andromeda. Andromeda was the beautiful girl. She's the daughter. Uh, King Cepheus and and uh, Cassiopeia, and she's going to be she's the sacrifice that the city requires to be saved with, and they need to give her up for the uh, uh, to to Poseidon. Poseidon is the god of the sea. Poseidon, but Poseidon is represented by the chaos of the sea, which is the Kraken. The Kraken is no different than like the Phoenix. But this all happens during a sun darkening episode. Medusa is introduced because it was at that time sacrifices to Poseidon were done by laying a woman out who had been stung by a jellyfish and paralyzed her because the people can't see any resistance. If they think that the victim is not willfully doing this to save her people, then it's not a willful sacrifice and the right. Kraken's going to destroy the city anyway. So they would sting her with a jellyfish so she wouldn't move. And make, sure she was, giant- make sure she was willing. Right, make sure she was willing. Then, right. then in front of the people, they would slowly, they would do a, a ritual ceremony, and they would sing a song to Poseidon. And as they were singing the song, they would lower a giant squid on her face. And, and if you know anything about how squids eat, they got a beat right there. That uh, seems uh, very oddly specific, like that with the squid and the stuff. I mean, yeah, they put the squid on her face, and that's yeah, how. Yeah, that's I mean, how, I've seen this. I've seen the Cortez squids. Those things are disgusting with the giant beaks and stuff. Yeah, those are really scary looking well, that's things. How, that's how the sacrifice to Poseidon was, because it was believed that if a creature of the sea fed on the sacrifice, mm. then that means it's just like Poseidon so feeding, they would, feeding on, on they the would, scapegoat. They would catch a squid 
and put it on the sacrifice's face? Oh no, the, no! The, back then, the oracles and all that stuff—they they, they had they had squid farms. They had all that back then. They had squid farms. These <laughs> niggas had squid ancient, farms ancient back in prehistoric times. They had, I, right prehistoric. <laughs> you guys thought you right? guys thought that Japanese anime was just a cartoon, huh? No, I was just gonna say. <laughs> I thought it was the result of air quotes nukes, but would, holy shit! Right? No, we've been so wrong, Jack. This whole time, we've been so wrong. Everything Fuck. we know about Japanese lore is incorrect. Man. It's all squids all the way down. It's no longer turtles. It's squids all the way down. I'm going to go home and rethink my life. Right. Medusa <laughs> was known as being hideous, remember? She was, she was in the story of Medusa, she was formerly a goddess beautiful. Right. Remember? Mm-hmm. Then, then after she pisses the gods off, now she's hideous and nobody can look at her. Right. She the gods made her ugly. Right. Yeah. Well, in the story of Perseus and, and Andromeda, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in our, in our feel good mythological version, the hero hero rescued uh, the girl, but in reality, uh, she was a sacrificial victim who didn't fully didn't die all the way, and she actually lived her life out. Whatever happened, and and this is just a memory of a woman who had her face eaten off with a squid, but she had survived. She had that's become a that's a horrible life. Wow. You're, you you oh, sir, wow. you're, you you you're. Face is eaten off by a squid, but you survive. Man, like that's a rough. Uh, talk about life on hard mode. See, like the guy from Hannibal. Remember Hannibal? Yeah, you look like the guy in the chair, right? Yeah, <laughs> the face guy, right? Yeah, yeah, the one that the pigs almost killed. That guy with the face and the place over the thing, yeah, with the thing yeah. in the face, and then you know, you know, yeah. the thing, yeah, yeah, I know. You get it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was all, I was on extreme. <laughs> Messages with somebody on Reddit who uh, uh, was downloading a bunch of material on on Bronze Age sacrifice ceremonies and all that off JSTOR. Uh, JSTOR is an academic website, all peer-reviewed materials. Right. And he and I were talking about, uh, we were exchanging messages back and forth, and he made a comment that's always stuck in my head when I was explaining to him what uh, Ignatius Donnelly and how Ignatius Donnelly was was talking about all the giant squids that were used in Poseidon sacrifices and all that. Mm-hmm. And the the guy said, "Well, that would explain why people have an, a a a uh, they have more than we all seen horror films, we've all seen scary movies, but when it comes to this one certain movie." The fear factor and, re- and and revulsion is off the chart, and he's thinking that this movie may tap into the collective unconscious of humanity. He's talking about when those xenomorphs are put on human faces. Ah, oh, the face huggers. Oh, yeah. face huggers. Man, yeah. I have to agree with you. As Alien, the Alien series being my very favorite series of movies, to the point where I actually have, uh, I'm an Xer, so I have tattoos. And uh, a couple of my tattoos are based around the Alien movie series. I have H.R. Giger tattoos, and he's the guy who designed oh, okay, cool. the Alien. For, yeah. So, absolutely, the Xenomorph is, and that Alien facehugger thing is something that is somehow imprinted onto us, again, like a... Um, like an uncanny valley sort of a thing. It's in our DNA that we are afraid of this thing that grabs our face and impregnates us down our throat with something. Like the fact that that that, that happened in the movie is disgusting and gross, but it it does trigger something primordial in you too. It's like a primordial fear as opposed to just like, oh, oh there's a scary guy in the closet with a knife. 
Epigenetic yeah. fear. Carefully. Epigenetic fear. I don't know. Epigenetic I think the high, fear, well, I, ah, epigenetic reminds me of people we don't want to talk about anymore right now. But uh, well, okay, there there is that. But it's also like a Lovecraftian yes type fear. Fear yes. fear of something ancient that we cannot possibly fully understand and comprehend. The ancient part, I think, is the tie with the because in um, uh, Prometheus. The Prometheus movies, like yes. that's yeah. the origin yeah. story of all of this, and it's ancient. And that is a, how they filmed it, and the colors and everything made it feel ancient. And that touched something that was ancient in a part of my DNA that was like, whoa, that is old memories somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Am I, am I the only one that feels like this? But like that's that's kind of like what I think they were going for with that. It's like they were this, and that is an ancient fear that we have, and that was from the very beginning, right? The xenomorphs and 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 Ripley were like what was like twenty twenty two forty or whatever year it was supposed to be, right? And but the Prometheus story is supposed to be in the ancient past, and there's always something going down our throats and choking us to death. in the past and the future it's also some sort of a metaphor for possession as well yes yeah absolutely yes possession um yeah because it's not how um what was the movie i mean kind of like with the matrix when when agent smith jumps into you he doesn't well it kind of jumps down your throat right a little bit i would say so isn't that what they say don't jump down my throat yeah, right. Right? Well, yeah, don't. I've been doing this a lot recently. Like, all of a sudden, like, these little trivial, normie little phrases will, like, trigger something, like, esoteric in me. I'm like, hey! And, like, my... The, who's the guy that did all those Janus videos? Remember him? He's like, it's just, like, triggering all this, like, like English right. autism. Like, wait a minute. That oh, phrase yeah, really means... guy? Yeah. That phrase really means something that means this, that means that, and... and gah! You know? It, yeah. Again, don't jump down my throat. Maybe that's sort of the same. I don't know. It's hitting, it's resonating that frequency in me. My frequency is resonating. Can we fire off don't. some questions from the list? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So let me see. Where did you put the list? There is the list. But there, there, we had the list, and then we started talking about the Connecticut State Capitol building, and Grognak started posting some awesome pictures. Hey, uh, real quick, Jason, what do you think of all the state capitol buildings? I understand the controversy you're, you're talking about. Um, like the like the, the Iowa State Capitol building, the Connecticut State Capitol building, the Nebraska State Capitol, five-story tower with a dome. Built by yeah, it, cowboys it is, in quotation marks. It is strange, and there's and there's a lot of stories like my video today on YouTube. I, I was I was pointing out how odd it is that the world's first acknowledged skyscraper of 21 stories didn't exist in 1901, but in 1902 it's right there, fully formed, done. 21 stories, and it's the most unique cheese wedge building in New York, and it's got all that gothic. Uh, it would have taken years to put all those statues together all right? around the perimeter. Right. Oh, 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 oh. It's oh, yeah. a famous. It's a famous building. You remember Ghostbusters? Got all those. Gothic, yes, uh, absolutely. Gothic I, I know exactly the building you're how talking about. Hell, how did the hell that's the official story is? Is they bought the land in 1901, and by 1902 they had finished the building. Listen, the Fuller Construction Company. At the same time that this magnificent 
marble structure, the largest one ever built in the United States, the New York Public Library at 910 stories, is built at the exact same time, at the exact same time that the that the New York Stock Exchange in 1901 is torn all the way the fuck down, and in 1902 it's done and finished and back open for business. What? You don't say. In a year? No way. Oh, wow. You're talking about, you're talking about. I'm not saying it's true. I'm saying I showed the, the pictures and I quoted the books. This is the official story. I showed you the pictures of the of the oh, New York know. Stock Exchange in 1901 and then the new one in 1902. This is the official story they're trying to get us to believe. I Listen. showed the stories. I showed the pictures. Even on the bottom of one of the photos, it specifically says, oh, this was torn down in 1901. And then the next picture, 1902, where there's an even more magnificent structure there. I mean, it looks like the same structure. They just changed the interior. Wooden Nichols would tell you that they have pictures of that and that you are not correct. But yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. That's one of the things that bothers me the most about all of this, what we call impossible architecture around our realm, Earth, whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, a cathedral in Europe takes 500 years to build, but a basilica in Iowa took a year and a half. You know, it's the same, basically the same building. But But because it was done in Europe, it took 400 years of peasantry but when it was done in Missouri, it took two years. Somehow, something tells me that both stories are incorrect. Right. But, but what? You don't believe the American gumption skull? Yeah. You don't believe in bootstraps? You were anti-American. In that movie, anti-American. Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Nick. In, uh, in Ghostbusters, that big tower you're talking about? The, yep. the bad guy boss thing they fight, Zool. Yeah. It's referred to as a Sumerian god. Yes. The first time I ever right. heard that was. Sumerian. Yeah, you're right. Yes. When I was a kid. So, as soon as the first time I'd ever heard of Sumeria was in Ghostbusters. Yeah. No, no, not true. Not true. Not true. First time I'd ever heard of Sumeria was in Monty Python's The Holy Grail. Long ago in Sumeria, it was like one of the one of the voiceovers. But then the second time I heard of Sumeria was in Ghostbusters. But yes. Oh yeah, yeah. But the, the money so Python why, was always why, dropping two throbs. Why do you think the dollar bill has the Great Pyramid on it? Because the dollar bill, if you were if you were to take a pin and follow all the lineaments of, of the Great Pyramid on the dollar bill, it for, it forms a perfect six pointed Jewish star. It's yeah. not a Jewish star, though. It's a star of Remfan. Yeah, the star right. of Remfan. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. The Tabernacle of Molech. That's right. Yep. And and you know what's funny is I've actually um, gotten some people who were formerly uh, Zionist, you know, and like like Christian Zionist, to be like, you know, there's definitely something up with these Jews nowadays. There's something going on. Something here. going on every time. And I make the joke, and it's like you guys, we talked about Harry Potter earlier, but you know the line. You know, every time it's you three, and it's <laughs> Bergstein and Wits. You know. Uh, but it but it is recently. And and Jason, like you said, they made a deal. They made a deal with the Lord of this earth, the Lord of the air, whatever you want to call him. And their deal is they get everything here. 
They get yeah. to be in charge of all the things. They get to be in charge of the money. They get to be in charge of the business. They get to be in charge of the insurance, the media, whatever they want to be in charge of. All the things that people think are the important things, they're in charge of it. But that's it. But that's it. Yeah. And you can you can totally see it by the way that they by the way that they hoard, by the way that they hoard, by the way that they 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 do uh, plastic surgery to, to life extension. The fact that every sort of scientific building at every college has the name Epstein on the side of it because they are trying to extend their lives as long as possible. They want to get back to the Methuselian lengths of life. But re- the reality is, is all they can do is Soros lengths and uh, uh, Brzezinski lengths, where it's like 97 years. It used to be 969 years, you know, and they're trying to get back to that. You have, what's his name? Moonbra there. You, Skull, you know what I'm talking about on Twitter? Moonbra, the guy who's like getting blood transfusions from his son to be younger. Yeah, Brian. Oh, yeah. Brian Johnson. Yeah, that guy. Like you have yeah. stuff like that going on and it's like, it's like, no, that's not how it works. Nigga. It's fine. You're going to kill your kid, but like you right. might live five more years, but like, no, none of this stuff. Like when the, I, I think the last time when the vapor canopy fell that like it changed everything and everybody's uh, dynamics are different. Like nobody lives as long as they used to. Um, Cause you know, we, we read through history. Like there was people that lived 900 years and then all of a sudden they were only living to 35 was old. Right. And then modern medicine made it so you could live to your 60s. And then grandpa was 90. What? Like, I have, uh, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the full extent of my knowledge on human longevity from the historical record. You want to hear this real quick? Absolutely. We do. Yes. Everybody be quiet. This used to fascinate me. And I'm going to tell you now we have, we have a Babylonian record in, in cuneiform that describes the mother of Nebuchadnezzar II as staying beautiful up into her 70s. She lived till she was 143 years old. Now, but she was old hag by then. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar II's mother. Now, Nebuchadnezzar II is the famous Babylonian king who who ended up getting lycanthropy, like possessed by a wolf demon or something. And for seven years, they kept it from the Babylonian people that their king had lost his mind. So this was a real, This is a, he may have gotten lupus or something. He, had, he, had, he was in a real bad shape for about seven years. And uh, this ended up being reported in the book of Daniel in a Jewish version, which may not necessarily be accurate, but it was a Jewish version that painted the, the prophet Daniel as the one that was integral to that story. But the truth of the matter is, is we don't have any historical verification of Daniel or Hedrach, Meshach, and Abednego or any of these people being in Babylon. But what we do have are writings that were circulating that the Jews could have easily gotten possession of in the 5th and 6th century BC, where it was widely known that the Babylonian king had suffered something and was locked in his own chamber for seven years and then turned around. He either got healed or whatever, and then he started ruling his country again. But in these writings, it's found found out that Nebuchadnezzar's uh, mother had lived a very long life. Now, the reason... Uh, I'm mentioning that is because there isn't a single historical record that's ever been found. No scholars have ever cited anything showing that humans lived to any to to any anything out of the ordinary in ancient times. 
the first reference is actually pretty recent, within the last 19 and a half centuries. In the writings of Flavius Josephus, we have the first recorded instance of somebody mentioning that humans were living for hundreds of years. The reason he's the first is because the Old Testament records, the Old Testament texts, have absolutely no validation until the second century. There's no one who quotes second, the Old Testament until the second century. New Testament isn't even the first century AD. Most people got that back. The sayings of Jesus were 158 to 168 AD. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't even appear until over 157 years after the alleged crucifixion event. So the chronology for all these things is, is further back than most people are willing to, to concede. The academia has done a very good job putting all the chronological materials together based off the writers who were alive at the time on what they said and didn't say. And you would be surprised how many first century authors that we still have their writings today. And there isn't a hint of Christianity anywhere in them. They're, they're all ex post facto after the fact mentions by later authors claiming these things were done at those earlier times. And Josephus is the oldest writing to anybody talking about pre-flood people living for centuries. Then in the second century, we have Genesis and we have the Old Testament, which is being heavily referenced by the church fathers. But prior to the church fathers, we have not a single ancient writer that even quotes the Old Testament. So not even, not even Manatho and Barosus quoted the Old Testament. So Oh, uh, I know, I know, I know I'm real unpopular for bringing these things to the table, but I have my dark scriptures playlist where I go into detail and I cite the sources where you can find all this material, who wrote it, who did the research. And it, it, it's inescapable when you, when you are, when you see the list of ancient authors who were alive in those times and what they said and what they didn't say, a lot of that narrative falls apart. And um, this, this whole longevity though about humans, it's, it's new. We don't have any ancient, there's nothing in the Sumerian records, the Akkadian. We have a huge libraries of Rashamra and Yugra. The Hittite libraries have provided nothing on anybody living uh, for long periods of time, like, like the pre-flood world, like Genesis says. We do have a reference to, to a, a, a personality who is confirmed from multiple different sources. And what I mean is, is the ancient rabbinical book of Jasher that was discovered in a tomb in Gonza of Persia, Iran, but, actually confirms that Nimrod was 215 years old and still young when he died. Nimrod was the patron deity, well, later became the patron deity of Babylon. His name was, was Marduk. In Akkad, he was Merodach. In Sumer, he was Amar Udaak. This is the mighty hunter before the Lord. He is the son of Queen Semiramis. Queen Semiramis was supposed to be the half, half-blooded daughter of a titanus, you know, a goddess. She was like some demi-goddess, and she had a son. That son was Tammuz. His name, his name is as Tammuz was in Hittite Amazaduga. Amazaduga grew up and had a name change, a dynastic. He was called Amraphel, and the older cuneiform writings admit that this is the same person in, in all these in different periods of his life. And in his 215th year, he went on a hunt. And in the Huel Marsh, one of his enemies dressed like a boar and, and, and uh, uh, basically trapped him. And he went into the Huel Marsh in Canaan trying to find this giant boar. And instead, 
the guy who was dressed as a boar jumped up and stabbed him in the stomach. He killed him. And this is the only historical reference to somebody living for a very long period of time. It was 215 years. But it's also the same the same uh, situation of somebody who wasn't quite human. Because all the references to Amar Udaak, Merodak, Marduk, Nimrod, Amazaduga, Sar, uh, uh, Naram Sin, these are all the same individual. They all claim that he was two parts God and one part man. This is the figure later known in the myth, in the mythological versions as Gilgamesh. Hmm. So I've I have really gone deep on this on longevity, trying to figure out where all this and that's what and that's what I found. And I can't find anything else. Right. Uh, I, I find the whole the whole idea of ordinary humans living for hundreds of years. Uh, the origin so far is Flavius Josephus. So not real. Josephus has been accused of a lot of things and telling the truth ain't one of them. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Reinhardt, you agree with that? I I will agree. <clears throat> I don't use Josephus as any sort of... Uh, I guess, uh, hey, yeah. uh, hey, everybody check it out. Uh, check it out. Reinhardt agrees with Jason. I agree with Jason on a lot of things. I'm just fucking with you, bro. Shush. Okay, well, check it out. I, I know Reinhardt's position. I, I totally forgot, but I, I now I now realize. Look, listen, on my own channel on YouTube, I'm steadily telling people I'm a Christian all the time. But my my version of Christianity is is very is very close to the gnosis. Um, <laughs> you've I, been I, you've been Jason. People people come into our channel. We 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 repost your stuff on a regular basis. You post something, Grognak will repost it almost as fast as like I'm trying to watch it. I'm like, can I watch it before you post it on the channel, bro? But anyways, uh, he, he everything you post, and every time. Jason's a Gnostic. There's Gnosticism afoot. There's all this Gnosticism. It's such a horrible word. Gnosticism. You know what? I don't I don't I don't care for it because it's attached to a lot of other other fundamentals that I do not agree with. Right. But the only reason I am uh I can say I'm I'm both a student of the Gnosis while at the same time as I'm a Christian, and it's because I, I tell my, my I tell my own listeners all the time. If you're doing the work, what does it matter what you call yourself? <laughs> I mean, you can claim to be something, but ordinarily, the the very claim of being to something basically means you're just trying to con- convince what's somebody the, something you're not. What's What's the line by your by their fruits? You shall know them. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a yeah. The, the listen the sayings of Jesus that were that were in the possession of Marcion. He was a Turkish navigator. He had the very first New Testament, and it was it was a book called the Sayings of Jesus. And then he had he had thirteen letters, which were the letters of Paul. Many people believe that it was actually the letters of Apollonius of Tyana. And um, he had the the sayings of Jesus are profound, and they're almost unchanged from what Marcion had to what we find in the Book of Mark. Slight changes with Matthew, and very slight changes from Matthew to Luke, but. But uh, altogether, the the essence of spirit that is found in the in the sayings of of Jesus that were in the possession of the uh, of of the Gnostic minister Marcion have not changed. They're right there in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. What has changed though is 
in the sayings of Jesus, we don't have any of the additions that later appeared in the in the uh, in the official church versions of Jesus's life. Water to wine, virgin birth, all these things that seem to be borrowed from the sun god mythos. All this uh, change, the the feeding five thousand. None of these things, but the actual words of Jesus, they haven't changed. The Gospel of Markion had every conversation of Jesus, all the parables, all the teachings, they're, they're all the same. It's the only thing that the only thing that's added is all these acts, all this bleeding tears in the Garden of Gethsemane, Pilate washing his hands, an actual crucifixion. None of that was in the sayings of Jesus. But uh, hmm. yeah, it doesn't to me it doesn't even matter, man. It's uh, it's all about uh I don't I really don't believe that we have an oversoul. That's even critical. I mean, there is so much information out there, and I do not believe that your eternal security is depending upon you being able to na navigate between fact and fiction. It has everything to do with how you conduct yourself while you're here. I can't disagree with that at all. I can't. That's just my opinion, man. No, I, I can't disagree with that at all. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, like do unto others, right? Hey, the golden rule was found on an ancient Egyptian tomb wall long before it appeared in the Bible. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. There's, there's that. Yeah. The golden rule, which is, you know, it's, I'm dropping my mic. It's made of gold. <laughs> it's the golden rule. I'm sorry. My microphone is falling apart on me as we speak. I have no idea what's going on right now. The Mandela affected golden rule. Right. Right. Oh, my pop yeah. filter just fell off my microphone onto the floor. I don't even have like a cat or anything to fuck with stuff while I'm sitting here. Literally, it just fell off all by itself. <sighs> there are Mesoamerican, cor Mesoamerican corn goblins. demons are infesting my apartment right now. There you go. Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. What, the Mesoamerican um, corn demons? Yes. Yeah. Dude, are you kidding me? No, we are living on everything that America is, is like... Like literally, they're oh, you're you're living on an Indian burial ground. Yeah, literally every square inch of this is like dead person burial ground. So yeah, it's you're telling me it's all Indian burial grounds. Always has, been. always has been. It's it's turtles all the way down growing back or Reinhardt or wherever I'm talking to right now. <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> Jason. Uh, can I ask you another pyramid question? Yeah, this go ahead. One, it's probably simple, but it's it's also a little confusing to me. Um, so you've once said that like basically, um, the center of the landmass is the pyramid, uh, which was once directly under the, the eye of the dragon. Is that correct? Um, yeah, well, how does the location, the cardinal location of the great pyramid of Giza? Oh, uh, this is how, this is how John Taylor, Robert Menzies, Adam Rutherford, this is how all the pyramid guys that were publishing books in the 1800s and early 20th century, they showed maps of the world, and they're correct. If you draw a line north to south and use the Great Pyramid as the prime meridian and not the Greenwich meridian that we have today, mm -hmm. if you use the Great Pyramid as the prime, prime, the prime meridian, it is the longest place in the world north to south that you will pass over land. If you go east to west from the present position of the Great Pyramid, it's the longest meridian east to west that you will go, that you will find the most land on. Mm. It's a uh, minus oh, the oceans and the waters. So it's a, uh, they say, they say that in the pre-cataclysm period, the Great Pyramid was zero degrees longitude, zero degrees latitude. 
After the cataclysm, the pyramid had been moved 30 degrees north latitude to its present position. Mm. Okay. Now, you, I've heard you say that it's going to be the center point for the distortion for the next pole shift, right? Like, almost like it's the center of the wobbling plate. Is the, yeah, is well, the it's, pole it's, star it's not? Definitely the center, it's definitely the center of motion. And what's very curious about this is it doesn't even matter what your perception of our world is. It doesn't matter if you believe you're on a globe or if you believe that we're on a flat disk, either one of them, the Great Pyramid, is the center of, uh, of all pole shift motion. It is the area that moved the least. You know, yeah, it's uh, so yeah, why it's is our pulsar now like wait, lo located where it is? Why do you? Are you talking about Polaris? Yeah. Well, it it didn't used to it be. It didn't used to be the pulsar, right? So, so like, is is the pyramid not? At Axis Monday right now. Okay, okay, check this out. When the pyramid, when the pyramid was built, the pole star was Alpha Draconis. All right, right. But the problem, the problem we have with this is that we we've had a pole shift since the pyramids were constructed. However, in order to justify why the pole is now pointed vaguely at uh, uh, Polaris instead of at Thuban, the ancient the ancient pole star recognized in all the ancient texts, science has had to come up with a really wild, a real wild pop proposition. That proposition only works on a globe model if the world is teetering with, with a retrograde wobble that they call the precession of the equinox. Okay, they so claim they... that every, every 72 years, this wobble causes the pole to wander one degree of space. This is what they claim. So this is their explanation. The procession of the equinox is their explanation for why the pole star is no longer Thuban. I don't but believe what any is, of that. What is the real reason for the procession of the equinoxes? I don't believe in the procession of the equinox. Okay, so you don't believe that actually happens. Okay, wh why not? I don't not? believe there's a wobble. I don't believe at all. I believe that the reason the pole shift isn't Thuban any, the pole star is no longer Thuban anymore, mm -hmm. is because in 713 BC, something happened to our world and caused our uh, caused our sky to mm -hmm. slow down. Okay, so Whatever the sky it itself actually sl slowed down its spinning. Yes, it did. It's no longer spinning at 360 degrees a cycle. Okay. Which was which was 360 degrees like a perfect circle. Mm -hmm. The st the whole stellar sphere spun around Thuban. Thuban never moved. So Something now that happened. Thuban is not the pole star, how did how did Orion become the pole star? Orion's not the pole star. I'm not Orion, uh, but you know Polaris. I'm not Orion. But, uh, Polaris. Polaris. You know, I'm Polaris sorry. Thank you, Skull. Yep. I'm yeah tired. Yeah, po Polaris is the pole star. In 713 BC, something caused the entire sky to slow. And in the Bible, we actually do have a story about King Hezekiah, and he was nervous, and 185,000 Assyrians got vaporized by a blast from the sky at the same time the sun... <laughs> that's in the Bible? Only, that's in the Bible. And okay. Not only did the sun stop moving, but the sun moved 10 degrees retrograde. Right. That's the, the, that's, okay, so that's the passage where the sun moved backwards in the sky. Okay. That's in the Bible. Joshua. That's in the yeah, Bible. Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's the book of Second Kings. Okay. So this is uh, King Hezekiah uh, asked the prophet Isaiah, man, what is going on? And prophet Isaiah looked at the sundial of Ahaz in the court of Hezekiah in Jerusalem and saw that the sun retrograded 10 degrees. 
This means that the sun moving across the sky not only stopped moving, but then moved in reverse 10 degrees and then had to stop moving again and then moved back over the 10 degrees. It just went retrograde. So it was a tremendous loss of time. What's interesting is that ancient Mexican document called the Codex Co... I can't even pronounce it. Don't even get me pronouncing it. Coelitican, something like that. Uh, uh, Rainer, that's the book that I have that I was supposed to give you. Well, Emmanuel Velikovsky cites <laughs> it. And according to the, the ancient Tolteca, mm-hmm. that at this time, the, the uh, nighttime was 20 hours prolonged longer than they were used to. They thought the sun wasn't coming back. That's crazy. So, so nighttime so, turned into like a 20-hour... For them, it did. For them, it yeah, did. Yeah. Uh, but, but, for the, but for the Middle East, the sun went retrograde. And when this happened, all of a sudden after that, uh, and I have a video that lists it also in my published books, I, I talk about it, but I have a full list of every culture and nation and ancient writer that mentions after this, the, the 360 day year just disappeared and mm-hmm. everybody started uh, doing 364 days in a leap month uh, every four years or 365 days That's, in a leap day every every four or eight or 16 years. That is such a strange they, thing. How, how how did they even come up with like a leap year concept? That's such a weird thing. Well, I'm going to tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you why. It's very easy. It's very okay. okay. In, in many temples in the ancient world. Mm-hmm. A cup of milk, a cup of pressed wine, or some type of container that holds sacrificial liquids and all that was poured out to welcome the day. When the sun was born, they would take they would take that liquid and pour it in there and pour it out. And then they would turn that container upside down. This was a way to count time. The days of the year were always counted by daily sacrifices in the temples. Many temples in the ancient world had niches in the walls where they kept track of the days. And it was very obvious that they kept coming up with five, five more days. And even That's after a all really the weird before. thing to do, though, is like keep track of the days by scratching things into the wall. Yeah, they did it. They had. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I guess um, I'm just you know what I mean? It just sounds it sounds like a very odd thing. Hey, what's what's today? Tuesday? I don't know. Check the lines on the wall. What day is it? <laughs> you know, what I mean, I, I, I don't know. It just seems. Seems like a very odd thing. Anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jason. Go ahead. Yeah, that was a. Uh, um, well, anyway, there's there's ancient writers like Herodotus. He's not the only one that mm-hmm. talk about that system. It was a it was a priestly system where they would they would pour out like a bowl of milk every day and then turn the bowl upside down and then they they could count 279 days and they would know exactly how many days were left uh, until the New Year festival. By, and, by bowls of milk. After seven after seven hundred and thirteen uh, BC, it took within fifteen or twenty years. All the seasons were falling out of alignment. They knew that they had the day count wrong. All the star mm. all the stars were different. They were now circling a different star. Things didn't make sense. This is where we come up with the with the idea of the fall of the dragon, the fall of Thuban. Thuban was no longer trust trustworthy anymore. And uh, this is a um. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Velikovsky goes into a lot of detail about it. He thinks it was the planet Venus based off the phonetics of ancient texts, but that's not right. Frank Joseph corrects the problem when when he cites a Hittite text about, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the king. It's some weird, in in Siapiana, some weird name for a Hittite king who has an astronomical text. And the word that's used is translated by many scholars as Venus, but it's very 
close. Even in Hittite, it sounds like Phoenix. Just like Venus in English sounds a lot like Phoenix right now. They made they made that mistake uh, in modern times. The ancients weren't talking about Venus. Venus has never changed position. Venus is still, according to the ancient Venus almanacs, still moving the exact same way it moved in ancient times. There's been no change. But Phoenix is totally different. And this is what was mentioned in the ancient text. This is what they blamed for destroying the old, the old world's year. Interesting. Okay. So now I never made the Venus Phoenix connection. I'm sorry, yeah, Johnny. Go ahead. No, no. I was. I'm trying to like. You're right. How do you make the Venus Phoenix Phoenix Venus connection there? I never. Well, I never I'll, give you, I'll give you. I'll give you. Check it out. When it comes to phonetics, it's, it's all about culture. What, what about the? What about Venice? Venice, Venice, uh, Venice in Europe, the city of Venice. Where do you think that name comes from? It starts with a V. V E N I C E. Venice. But in 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 Italian, that Venice is no different than than uh uh Venice, which is the the word that's geographical locator for Phoenician. It's ah. no, it's no different. But um, yeah, yeah that's makes sense. a lot now, of those, a lot of those V, the PH and the V are interchangeable a lot. Well, you know, that's actually what. Uh, speaking of Italian and things like Venice and Geneva, is a thing that people don't understand that how Geneva is related to all of this, right? Geneva is in Genoa. Excuse me, Genoa. Uh, it's, it's the, it's a Phoenician thing, right? All all of Europe. I mean, even, I mean, you know where Europe comes from, the name Europe? Uh, Europa. Europa, right? Yeah. Yeah, Europa was a Phoenician princess. Hmm. Yeah, all of Europe was settled by Phoenicians. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, and weren't Phoenicians, um, Phoenicians were northern Canaanites or northern Israelites. Yeah, there's no in my in my mind from everything I've I've come into contact with, uh, there's no difference between Israelite and Phoenician. They are one in the same culture. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they're they're one in the same. Right. Yeah, the uh, some of the ancient some of the ancient Hebrews were Israelites. But the Israelites weren't Hebrew. It's 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 a uh, it's very similar to to the situation where you know um, Texans are are Americans, but not all Americans are Texans. <laughs> As I was gonna say, is it like the Shriners and the Masons thing, right? Not all, all Masons right. are Shriners, but all Shriners are Masons. No. Kind of, yeah. Oh, you know what? I, you know what? You really can't caught me flat-footed. I really don't know much about the Shriners. Oh, yeah, no. That's the thing is like all all Shriners are Masons, but all Masons are Shriners. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. It's true. Like, seems like a seems like a saving face kind of operation. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, like they do part of you know part of them do a thing, and the other part of them do another thing, and it's like different different tentacles of the octopus. Grognak. Um. Jason, how does the seven-pointed star tie into the pyramid? Well, it's uh first of all, the seven the seven-pointed star is non-generative. 
And what I mean is, is one identified in geometry, one, one is the point. It is the, it is the, it's one represents potentia. It has all the potential to become anything and everything. Two, it, now you've taken potential and identified it with something else and created polarity. That's what you have with two. With three, now you have cohesion. With, with with three with three you began you began making two dimensional forms and the first two dimensional form that you can make with the number three is a triangle. With four you now you now create the square. A square is the foundation for higher forms, but it's nothing more than that. So that's why four was the number of the earth, like north, south, east, and west. Then with the number five, five is the very first number that you that you can represent three dimensionally. There's no well, you can't do that with one, two, three, or four. But with the number five, you can represent it because you can take the four, which is a foundation, and put like a pole star on top of that, which forms a pyramid. It has five points. When you take six, you have two triangles that are inverted and superimposed, like your it's like your star of Remfan. But now we have a problem because there are none of the pre-existing geometrical forms that could ever form the heptagram. The seven-pointed star is in a league of its own. It cannot be replicated geometrically by any pre-existing forms. Uh, seven is interesting, being, being a terrestrial-type cycle, but it produces perfectly the 52-degree angle, which, which a lot of pyramidologists believe it was the heptagram that provide the 52, the 26-degree angles that are found all throughout the Great Pyramid. So the, the heptagram actually is what considers what is a pyramid and what is in some ways well uh the well the heptagram I, I, it identifies the concept of terrestrial time uh, um i'll give you an example in, in old mystic mystic traditions and in the kabbalah we have uh seven is the number of a cycle seven is the number of completion and eight eight is the number of new beginnings because when seven pass, eight is actually the first one of the next series of seven. And when that seven pass, the eighth numeral is actually number one of the next series of seven. If, if, if time is re the repetitions of sevens, then the number eight represents the eternal curve that, that, that never turns into a new cycle. It just recurves back into the old one for repetition. This is why the eighth numeral, the Arabic numeral, looks like an infinity symbol. It has no beginning and no end. It is it, it merely just loops back. Oh, mm. you, you follow you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah I've heard you say this before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a, it's yeah when it comes when it comes to the numbers, it's a it's fairly simplistic well what the ideas were they weren't different they were they were not dissimilar throughout Babylon Akkad, the Near East the Egyptians they all the Hebrews even in even the rabbinical literature the concepts attached to individual numbers they really don't change they're they're, they're pretty much standard through all time periods uh, the number seven was just one that was assigned to this world as a cycle but uh the fact that the fact that its geometry identifies the angles that are so prevalent all throughout the exterior and interior of the Great Pyramid only shows me personally that the Great Pyramid was was specifically designed using constants that we can recognize as timelines in ancient calendars. 
I mean, that's the premise of my of my channel. That's what I'm always showing. The Great Pyramid actually preserve all these historical events in different types of calendars and different ways of looking at at, at the mathematics of, between important events in history. And you can find them in the measurements of the Great Pyramid. Great Pyramid is like, I mean, way before I was born, it was already determined by by Robert Menzies and John Taylor and Adam Rutherford and uh, uh, Smith. Alder Smith, all all these great men who did all who spent their life researching all this, the Great Pyramid was already suspected of being the measure of all things concerning history, calendars, and timelines. Uh, it was a prophecy in stone way before I was born. These concepts were already existing. Uh, the only thing that I had brought to the table was an accurate chronology, as opposed to all all the uh, uh, inaccurate time time uh, basically. Everybody went by Usher, and by going by Usher, there's no way to compare the history of the world with the actual measurements of the Great Pyramid. So mm -hmm. this is where they're this is where they were faulted. They went by the Christian Bishop Usher in the dating of historical events, and he made many chronological errors. And in doing that, they were never able to prove their thesis, but they all suspected it. Well, you ever noticed that how that everything always comes down to the calculations of one guy? Well, in this case, it did. Like, no, it always is one dude made all the calculations for all of history. Galileo or Copernicus or this guy or Howie Zahihuas or whatever. Well, the one guy, the one guy makes all the decisions for the entire world. You know what I mean? This is amazing how this one dude does all the things for everybody all at once. Amazing. So, so Jason, it's if the heptagram to, I, I think it's represents easy. the pyramid... What then? What is the star of Remfan supposed to represent? Six pointed star. Uh, you know what? I yeah, I really don't. I mean, there's so much alchemical and hermetic and kabbalistic attachments to it. It's if there's a real meaning to it, they've obscured it with all the bullshit they've put out. So I right. I just I really don't know. I mean, in in, in its in its most base primitive interpretation it's it's the amalgamation of the female and male gener generative pr principles you know the the upside down triangle being the female the the upright triangle being being the male uh but this but i mean in alchemy they changed that from male to female they changed that from from different uh elemental symbols now the period now the now the the uh, one means fire one means what air or water or earth the upside down one so i don't know uh I just really don't know what what exactly the six pointed star means to to the Jews. I don't know. It's a, I'm pretty sure it has a deep meaning. It may be hell. It may it might be one of those fuck you meanings. It might be one of those. Oh, uh, I mean they got a bunch of those in their sigils and stuff that that are like mocking the rest of the world for not knowing. I don't know. I know I know that it's it's not holy and that it's not represented as holy anywhere. But uh, right like. I've I've heard the like I've heard some um some takes that the the story of Samson is almost like a uh, a parody of a hero you know uh, beating his enemies with a jaw of a, an ass yeah yeah so it's it's almost like that maybe well I mean the ancient Greeks had Theseus and Pericles later Her Hercules they had Jason the Argonauts you know the uh, the the Achaean. The Achaeans had their hero, hero, uh, what was his name? 
not somebody before Theseus. But I mean, the Babylonians had Gilgamesh, and uh, they there always so have many a hero. The, there's so Jason, many they always heroes. Have, they always have a hero. Yeah, there were so many of these heroes that, well, you know, when the Jews were, were putting their all their stuff together, they needed one, so they created Samson. Are you sure they didn't rip Samson off from an older story like they like to do? Well, it very well could have. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I think Samson was just a borrowing of the old Theseus stories. Uh, oh, Theseus. Yeah, actually, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah he, yeah, he was just a borrowing. Just like they, uh, David actually comes from the Ugaritic text. Uh, in the Canaanite Ugaritic text, there are epics about Davidu, the giant slayer. Oh, and you're going to make when people the, mad. When the, Jew, when the Jews were in were uh, uh, under subject to Persia, mm-hmm. that's when they first came into contact with Suleiman the Great. And they fell in love with the, with the character of Suleiman. But Suleiman is an Iranian hero. He's like, he's like their Don Juan of the ancient world. And they took Suleiman and created King Solomon. There's a there's a lot right. there's a lot there's a lot of this that 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 uh, that they did when they were constructing the Old Testament. It, it, it's interesting they they refer to the Samson option with the where they're pointing nukes at every other country. If they get <laughs> one fired at them, they'll fire right. everybody well, else. It's, not, if, it's but, if they get mad enough. It's not right, just nukes. It's just uh, if they get irritated here, enough. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna we, Samson we have, option you. We have like a, well, a, a healthy disbelief of the the nuclear weaponry, so it, it's almost in alignment with the story of Samson. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was about to ask: Is it okay here if I didn't believe in nukes? Oh no, we absolutely we Jason, we did a five part series on how nukes are fake. Okay, yeah, well, because yeah. I'm, I'm very well aware that in the night, look in the 1950s, the United States. Was it was involved in a psyop, and the psyop wasn't against the American people, but they had to do it for the American people in order in order to for the psyop to be effective against the people that it needed to be effective against. And that psyop was they spent a lot of money creating all these miniature cities and miniature test sites, miniature houses, miniature, little little miniatures of of cars and all that, and made mm-hmm. it as realistic as possible. And then they then they detonated these these regular bombs and all that. And uh, they slowed the film down, and they made it look like these were huge atomic testing and nukes, and they were not. They were all done in the studio. And this uh, this right here was a psyop, because then they intentionally allowed these tapes to fall into enemy hands. And even though they were dubbed uh, uh, top secret and all that, and they used, and they used Jews like the, Dry- the Dreyfus Affair. You heard of the Dreyfus Affair? Yep. Yeah, you know, Richard, you know, the actor Richard oh, Dreyfus yeah. is... Yes, you know, the, family, the yeah. Dreyfus family, family. Yeah, they're that's how they that's how they became Hollywood. Yeah, their family's been implicated with this stuff. But the truth is, is this was just one of the incidents where they used inter, uh, Jews in the in the Americas, and it was all BS. They, they weren't stealing secrets; they were releasing them and and getting caught with them on purpose because it legitimized the psyop. Right. Yeah. There were the like the whole Rosenberg thing was a big psyop. Like the fact that, oh, the Rosenbergs stole nuclear secrets from America would imply that uh, nuclear secrets are real. That's right. That's exactly right. what it was. When right. and when the and when other nations, intelligence agencies started sharing what America was capable of, 
when we started when we started making all kinds of international demands for different shit, other countries were more willing to deal with us. Right, because oh my god, they have the nuclear option. Because the Jews yep. said so, Oppenheimer said the thing about Shiva and the, the becoming the god of desolation or war or some shit. I don't know. My brother Shmuley told me. I have the slayer of worlds. I know. I'm being, I'm being, I was being sarcastic. I'm sorry. This is, yeah, but yeah, man. All that. Yeah, you're right. You guys are on, on, to, on top of it. You know more than I do. All that shit was psyop. I, I, do listen, you, do listen, you think the Jason, nuclear bomb is kind of like a MacGuffin for the, the Phoenix event? Like if the world was a movie. That's a good question, actually. Do yeah, MacGuffin is a good word I haven't heard in a while either, Grognet. Good one. Uh yeah, Jason, what do you think about that? I don't think I've ever heard MacGuffin before. What no, is MacGuffin is like M- like, MacGuffin? A, like a yeah, it's fake like a it's like a, it's like a cover technique story. To like keep the story. movie moving. Yeah. So so you you suggested to read um the Out of Ashes series, which I've only yes. read the first one, but it was excellent. And basically, the the Phoenix phenomenon is replaced with nuclear war, uh, exactly, just like in the exactly, fall, yes. just like in the Fallout video game series. Yeah. Okay. So in the Out of the Ashes series, it's just like a post Phoenix event, uh, but that's one of the that's one of the serious resets. Not a not 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 uh, a real minor one that only affects certain geographical re- regions, but uh, one of the more Phoenix resets. That's what Out of the Ashes would be, just like that. Because in that in that series of books, you find out by the, by book two and three, you find out that there's a lot more people who survived than you initially thought hmm. in book one. I think that's how the resets go in general. Is that a, a lot more people survive than we, our little particular group, thinks survives? I love those books; they're fantastic. You know what I mean. Yeah, I think I honestly think that the enclaves that they talk about, like, you know, like like I like the Civil War era, like the 1850s, where they talk about the the wars around the realm where like you have the Crimean War, you have the Civil War, you have all the Napoleonic Wars, all those wars where they were like cleaning up after the last Phoenix event. Right. After that Phoenix event in the whatever the 18 whatever it was. Right. Yeah, it's it definitely something happened in the 1800s. Yeah, in the 18-somethings. We don't know when, but the 18-somethings. Because the timeline is very fluid. Uh, very dusty. It's right. dusty and fluid. Did you say dusty? Dusty, yeah. Yeah, it's dusty. It's muddy. It's muddy. It's very <laughs> muddy and dusty, except in Connecticut and Iowa. Well, William, William, William Johnstone wrote all those Western books do you think he eventually through his research basically found out about the re- the the, the face phenomenon what do you think it's uh, a good question yeah i wish I they mean, would do a phoenix phenomenon video like they did cowboys and aliens yeah. <laughs> that's a great movie i, I, I want to see cowboys and dinosaurs next actually yeah i'm not on board with that either bro i'm not so. either but it didn't make a great movie yeah I mean, that was basically that last Jurassic World movie that they for some reason made. This is a good, you make a good point, Reinhardt. You do make a good point. Plus Chris Pratt. Yeah, of course. Yes, obviously. The only, the last good man left in Hollywood. I don't know. I don't know. Skull might have something to say about that. I mean, other people might say, man. Oh, stop it. Sure hope he's a man. Oh, sure hope he's a guy. Stop it, horrifying house guest. I hope, I hope so, guest. too. I don't believe it. Stop I, it. I'm ho- not saying I do. But. Stop it, horrifying house guest and dog bot. 
I'm not that bad. Whoa. <laughs> oh, we, we, we got a kick out of uh, you and Martin talking about Scarlett Johansson and other questionable yes, people. That was awesome. <laughs> that was actually your, awesome. Who, who was it, who was it that said that Scarlett Johansson might not be a woman? Which was Jason or was it Martin? And I, I said that because somebody brought it to my attention. And then Dawn and I watched a couple of Scarlett Johansson movies, and now I can't get it out of my head. Straight yeah. clavicles, jo- bro. My my wife, my wife is like looking at like bathing suits and stuff online. She's like, "God yeah. damn it, honey!" I'm like, "What?" Every single one of these models has straight clavicles. They're all dudes. Man, it's dude. They are. I I don't know what to tell you. The physical features don't lie. Bones don't lie. When when these trannies are dug up in 200 years, they go, "Here lies the bones of a man." <laughs> right, Skull? Yeah. I mean, it's not our fault. No, I don't I don't make the rules. I didn't yeah. design these bones. I didn't design this bone structure. I'm sorry about your social engineering project that made you think you were something you're not. Weirdo. Yeah, man, that Scarlett Johansson deal hurt my feelings. I, I, dude, I met I met that thing in person. Man, I dude. thought it was a woman too. I gave it a hug. Man, after I was told after I was I was told this, every scene I saw a whole new eyes. I'm now <laughs> seeing it again. I'm saying Scarlett Johansson's head is ruined. Jason for life. We have ruined him. We have ruined the paranormies have ruined Jason for life. Yeah, I was so (laughs) sad. Don't be sad. Don't be sad, Jason. Don't be sad. Why would you be sad? You're sad that you no longer find a dude attractive. No, I'm sad that I I found that dude attractive for so long. I know, I know. Do you know what I'm saying though? But you do understand what I'm saying, right? Like a lot of guys are mad at us. Like I was very angry at the paranormies for doing for doing the research and and bringing you the facts as we find them, and they get very angry with us. People get very angry. They're like, "Listen, Johnny, you piece of shit. I love this woman," and I'm like, "That's not a woman." And they're like, "I know." <laughs> now I'm mad at you. Somehow it's my fault, right? It's not. That's crazy. It's always been a man. You've always been in love with a man, and now you're gay, but you're not. But now you're realizing that, oh, my God, you've been duped by Hollywood. Yes, we've all been duped by Hollywood. I thought Red Sonia was hot, too. But no, that's a guy. No way. Really? All of them. All of them. Yep. All all of them, Jason. It's it's Bro, it's Hollywood. There's none of That's the whole point. That's the whole point. It's been inversion. Med- it's turtles all the way down, all the way down. Now, if you would have told me Xena, I'd have believed. Like- Xena, warrior princess. Okay. I used yeah. to, like, I would come home from work in the 90s. Me and my roommate would we'd, like smoke a bong and watch fucking Xena, warrior princess and be like, yeah, dude, this is giant moon faced Amazon telling me what to do. And she's so fucking hot. Oh, my God. No, that's a guy. Yep. That's the guy. Wow. Yeah, it's but but that's the whole point of the inversion magic of Hollywood, man. That's literally the yeah. whole point. The whole point. Remember, chi- remember China make, from WWF? Uh, yes, is oh. to make the whole point is to make an entire nation of men under not understand what their sexuality really is based on because what they're attracted to isn't what they think it really is. 
Do you understand how insidious that really is? How dark and depraved that really is to do something like that? Like, everybody's like, Johnny, you're crazy because you think that. I'm like, no. Do you not understand how dark and dirty and depraved it is to really do that to an entire society? I was going to ask Jason if there was ever a point in time where this has already been done before. Like, is uh, is Cleopatra a dude? I don't think, I don't, I don't think Jason's, I don't think Jason's really on uh, Grognak. I really don't honestly think, I I think that the, the trans come around before. I don't know. I I think the transvestigation thing is something that while it has been a thing, as as you can see by looking back on the, on the first ladies going back. That's exactly what I was going to say. What I'm saying is you can look at that, but I don't think that there has been any sort of truther or anybody in this realm outside of us that has gone as far as we have in investigating this, other than maybe Mark, Mr. E. You got, you got me wondering if Joan of Arc was a girl. Uh, right? No, I, and honestly, I mean, honestly, doesn't look very Jason, feminine you should, you should question that. You should. Because or, or, all of history, Mary, you should question. Because and, What about Aunt Jemima or Mary Curry? Marie Curie, we've already gone to, we did an entire episode on it. Skull, Skull, get in here. Marie Curie. Skull, where are you? Marie Curie is. Skull went to the bathroom. Okay. Uh, I don't know where Skull is, but Marie Curie is literally Mercury. Is literally, it's literally an anagram for. That's crazy. But no, <laughs> Marie, M- Mer- M- Marie Curie is a homophone. Is it, what's the word I'm looking for? Hom- for homophone for Mercury for yeah. Okay, All Mercury right. so, as yeah. in like radium being used as a an element in everyday well, you use. You guys are laughing. You guys are laughing about Aunt Jemima, but I'm telling you now. What about? I mean, we know Big Mike is a dude. We do. Okay. So Big Mike, Big Mike is the tranny you're allowed to talk about. Okay. That's Big true. Mike, Big Mike is the is Mike the, Tyson, huh? No, we're talking about Michelle Obama. Big Mike is the tranny you're allowed to be like like uh uh Joan Rivers was like, Oh, we all know that Obama's gay, Michelle Obama's a tranny, and then two weeks later she quote unquote died, right? Uh like Big Mike is the normy allowable talking point of trannies in political office. When the reality is, it's probably Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, AOC, and all the rest. It's probably every every single one of them is probably inverted. Man, that's so crazy, right? I, because you know, because just, that's their religion. Their whole religion is inversion. That's that's I'm glad, one of the, I, I'm glad I got a girlfriend now, so I don't have to you know just run the streets and get dude. It's up. so bad nowadays. It it has to be. I'm glad I'm married. Like I'm like I don't even want to. I feel bad. Dude, I have a 17 year old boy. See that thing. I have a 17 year old son. I'm serious. Some dude from Florida. Kid. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I have a 17 year old kid, and I'm scared for that boy. Like oh yeah yeah. He's poor some, kid. some some Florida man just got in trouble for. Sp- for spiking his dates drinks with Viagra to make sure they don't get a boner. (laughs) 
I saw that. Oh my god! I oh, that. I remember that. <laughs> that's not that's not a news story. That's not very new. I mean, that's happened recently. But the fact the fact that that has come up more than once is a very scary thing in this country. The fact that that even has to be said. You guys remember? You guys remember Crocodile Dundee? What year was the movie Crocodile Dundee? What movie was that? What year was that movie? Crocodile Dundee. I know it was before 1990 because I went to prison in 90. Right. Uh, there was a there was a scene in that movie where he said uh, it was what movie is this? What year was this movie? It was 1986. 1986. 38 years ago. 38 years. There's a scene in that movie where he checks a guy, a person's crotch to make sure they're male or female. Remember that? I do. I do remember that. Yep. I do remember that. 30 you know what? They years were, they later. Were already they were already trying to, to, uh, they were going strong in the eighties with that. Cause remember the movie mannequin, the yep. black, the black tranny. Yep. The black train, they were going strong in the eighties with the tranny stuff in the eighties. Yeah. 40 years ago, they were pushing this stuff. Yep. Now, is this like a Babylonian thing? Is this it a, has to be. It has to be. It's all Babylonian magic all the way down. Grognak, listen, listen, we're going to play. I'm going to play. A, I'm going to play a little clip real quick. I want you to listen to this. And tell me after this, you tell me what you think, okay? If if it's Babylonian magic or not Babylonian magic. Hold on, where is here we go? Quiz, who is the father of modern science? His name is Democritus. Hmm. Democritus, this guy lived twenty five this guy lived five hundred years before Jesus. Democritus held that originally the universe was composed of nothing but tiny atoms churning in chaos until they collided together to form larger units, including the earth and everything on it. He taught the Big Bang. Democritus did. Maybe it ends there. No, it does not. Democritus believed that humans originated in mud and lived at first as wild animals before slowly learning enough to become civilized. You're just believing what Democritus believed. The universe created itself. We came from the mud and we evolved from animals. This isn't science. This is Babylonian magic. Now for the kicker. It has been said that Democritus's father was from a noble family and so wealthy. Huge surprise. The father of modern science was from an elite noble family. It's just never just a guy, right? Darwin came from the same kind of money. It's never just a guy. It's a guy with money tied to the power structure. Okay. He was so powerful that he received the Persian king Xerxes on the latter's march through Abdera during the second Persian war. Xerxes is coming through. It's like, hey, Democritus's dad, have me over. Okay, cool. You aren't going to believe this. It is further argued that as a reward for his service, the Persian monarch gave his father and other Abderites gifts and left several magi among them. Democritus was apparently instructed by these magi in astronomy and theology. In astrology and theology. The father of modern science. Yep. Crazy. So... It's crazy, isn't it crazy how these people, it's all turtles all the way down. Babylonian magic. Turtles all the way down. Yep. It's all Babylonian magic, always, all the way down. Babylonian magic. Who are these Babylonian magi? Well, hmm. wait, 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 wait. Are you being, well, uh. I'm, I'm, I mean, I was kind of asking. 
Well, I can I can answer that question. In, in the Babylonian cuneiform, they're called the Edomu. This is the priest class. Right. And then the Babylonians got tired of them after about three centuries of taking their bullshit because they just fleeced the people for all their wealth in the name of religion. And they banished them. And when they reappeared in the historical record, they're running another another country next to Ammon. And that country came to be known as Edom. And the ancient the ancient Jewish people get their pedigree from these people, the Edomites. This is why the leading authorities in the Jewish world in the days of Jesus was the Hasmonean dynasty. And even in the New Testament, it says the Hasmonean kings were Edomites. That's who your Magi are. Who your Magi are. Hey, who was that asking me about the the seven-pointed star? Me. Oh, so so Grog Grog now I, I, we we moved on before I could tell you real quick, but um the seven-pointed star pr- produces uh a pretty interesting I told you the 52 degree angle, but the seven-pointed star is 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 ancient. I have Celtic representations, I have a Babylonian representations, I have the alchemical, I have the Hebrew Kabbalistic. I'm missing one. Oh, Norse. He, in all these ancient cultures, they use that seven-pointed star to represent the seven days of the week. And the seven days of the week, it's really interesting because the seven-day system actually proves that the the year of the ancient world was 360 days, not 365.24 days. And the reason is, is because this seven, which is identified by the Great Pyramid, is so incredibly interesting because the, the declination of the Great Pyramid from top to bottom, which is called the apothem, this angle is precisely 51.4 degrees. And that's exactly what you get when you take 360 days and you divide it by seven. You divide it by the week. You get 51.4, which is the angle of the Great Pyramid in Egypt. Hmm. If you were to take 360, if you were to take 365.24 and divide it by seven, you get an unnatural number. It's 52 point something, which is way over the angle of the Great Pyramid. And it's and it also disrupts the seven pointed star geometry. But anyway, I just I forgot to tell you that earlier. That was just something that you might want to know. <laughs> well, well, we we skipped over. What, what do we think of that Democritus story there? Quiz: Who is the oh, father shit. of modern science? I just didn't mean to start that over again. The father of modern science, Democritus, being <clears throat> instructed by the Babylonian theologians. Well, I mean, it just goes to show you. It's a uh, science is a religion, right? And these Babylonian theologians are the foundational fathers of pretty much everything that we know as far as history, medicine, science, math. Right? I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, there were there were just a couple of the questions. Considered, um, oh yeah, let's. Do you want to go on the, the, on the top of the? What? No, I said do you want to go over the rest of the questions. Yeah, just real quick, I wanted to know how, like the, is it the um, the Hermetic text that talks about the descent the descent of the the capstone 
where does this like evil eye in the in the in the triangle come from to like kind of subvert that? Where does it come in? Okay, that that's interesting. I don't. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to to answer that question with anything other than just you know supposition or theory. But because uh, I don't know what the eye over the pyramid means to those who hijack the symbolism, but the ancient Phoenician ancient Phoenician trinkets which have been found in the myriads by archaeologists, demonstrate a theological belief in the coming of a savior in the world who is represented by the pyramid. And these little trinkets show a smiling face on a lot of these little trinkets, on these pyramid trinkets. And uh, sometimes it's outstretched arms uh, uh, and, and a pyramid with a little smiley face. Sometimes it shows uh, the pyramids don't have a cornerstone. Um, but it's only recently in the last four or 500 years that this symbol has been hijacked and it's, it's been given some type of other esoteric meaning that's not being shared with the rest of us. I know in ancient times, the eye, as we see in Mesoamerican art, the eye is found everywhere in pyramid reliefs. And it's always indicative of the Axis Mundi. The Axis Mundi is the world that was believed the whole world spun around this axis, this tree, and the tree pointed straight up at the pole star Alpha Draconis, which is the star Thuban. And this was the ancient belief. Therefore, the, the world, the world tree was represented also as the pyramid. And the pyramid had four cornerstones. Those cornerstones were the four royal stars at, at the north, south, east, and west of the quadrants of heaven. These royal stars, I know one of the royal stars is Formal Hot. Uh, another one is Antares. Um, I can't remember. There's four royal stars in astrology, and they represent the four corners of the cosmic pyramid. And the apex of the cosmic pyramid is the pole star, which is at the very top, and it, form, it forms a geometrical pyramid in the heavens and our our world this pyramid was the tree of life it was the axis mundi and the pole star was the eye that uh that looked down on the whole creation now this was the original concept and it's found in ancient art everywhere but it's been bastardized it's been turned to something else like on the dollar bill the pyramid of the eye i don't know what the hijacked meaning is i'm not sure i don't even want to guess mm. but uh, but being put on our money and being put on our being put in our money after the New Deal, after the Jews have hijacked the American economy and then used the American economy to subjugate the rest of the world through all kinds of politically violent intrigues and wire and using the US military war machine to do all their dirty work, I don't know. But it doesn't have the original meaning that that, that it had in ancient times. You you had mentioned um seven thirteen BC as a um an edit to the amount of days of the year here mm -hmm. yep you you've once referred to the pyramid as the tower of babel yes indeed. now what is that this is that year the same incident no no absolutely not the tower of babel story is an ex post facto tradition that's basically describing what really happened with the great pyramid hmm we're talking about the Great Pyramid. We're talking about something that is so technologically advanced and sophisticated. We're still trying to figure it out now with the technology we have today. 
And I, I just don't think that until the vapor canopy returns, we're fully going to understand what that what that device is capable of, because that's what it is. It's a device. And anybody who has seen the technolithic precision of the Grand Gallery will know there's no explanation for the absolute precision that is found in the regular niches that go up at 26 degrees all the way up to 153 feet of the Grand Gallery. Some type of crack was laid there and on that crack some type of mechanism went up and down that grand gallery and there's there's i can't imagine that it, it could have been doing anything other than building pressure because it's attached to to a cistern that goes all the way underneath the pyramid and that pyramid has a subterranean underneath the pyramid has a subterranean chamber with a precision board well of uncertain depth. No one knows how deep it goes. They had to put an iron grating on it because two people fell in it and were never seen again. But this, this well in the bottom of the subterranean ch uh, uh, chamber used to draw subterranean water up as this pressure, as this pressure was built into like a vacuum. Uh, Christopher Dunn and others have speculated that the interior arrangements of, of, the, of the Great Pyramid could have formed some type of pump, but it's missing some of its apparatus. And I, I, I tend to agree. And whatever it was pumping, it may have been turning pure hydrogen into some powerfully explosive uh, something. Because we do have relieving vents and pressure, but there's also a leaf lock system in the antechamber that goes into the king's chamber, and yet the pressure blast that's noticed in the king's chamber is not evidence in the, evident in the antechamber. And what I mean is, is scientists have noted that the that there was a tremendous blast of force uh, exerted inside the king's chamber alone, so powerful that despite the hundreds of millions of pounds of rock and adhesive that holds the structure together. It was so explosive that it blew all these megaliths out okay. in the chamber by, by half an inch. Here's my here's my question about that. If if it blew all that stuff out and all that, how come everything is still intact inside? Nothing looks like there was any sort of explosion or pressure event. You know what I mean? I don't know. I I, I know. Do you, you don't understand what I'm saying though? There's like it doesn't look like any sort of pressure event. Like <clears throat> an explosion causes pressure. Right. Yeah, but I don't see. Here's here's what we here's what you have to take in consideration. Above the king's chamber are mm -hmm. what are what are called five relieving chambers. These relieving chambers are specifically designed to absorb concussive force. There's no other architecture in the world like this. This chamber this chamber was was specifically designed to throw off the tremendous amount of weight that's above it. By this, by this, by these interlocking megaliths that are angled at 26 degrees, and they have hollows of air in between them. Have you ever, have you ever seen the the cross sections of the Great Pyramid and what the relieving chambers above the Great Pyramid look like? I'm gonna have to say no. Yeah, those relieving chambers are, are pretty huge. It's okay. inside these relieving chambers that in 1837, Howard Vi Colonel Howard Weiss suddenly claims that a cartouche of Khufu was found, and it just doesn't even make any sense. There would never be a pharaoh's name in a relieving chamber that no one even had access to until you tunneled into it. It's just stupid. But that's what they did in 1837 until Howard 
Humphreys Brewers gave up the game. But anyway, it's a, uh, I don't know. I can't answer that. I'm not a structural engineer, but I do know that the, that the science, the science reports are, are about, uh, whatever blew up inside that chamber pushed all the walls, floor and ceiling out by half an inch. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Makes fair. Makes, that makes sense. Um, Grognak, Reinhardt, anybody else have any extra questions? You think the pyramid has to be activated once more, or that it's just ex post facto? Hmm. You know what I think. I, I, I my my personal opinion is is that the traditions of the Great Pyramid are very specific in that it was specifically designed for a future generation that would understand it. This is the message we have in the in the books of Enoch. This is the message we have in the Christian Coptic Egyptian texts concerning Surid, uh, who built the Great Pyramids. So I'm uh, this is the, the message we get in the book of Jasher that every bit of this was done at Akuzan for a future generation and it was to be understood by a generation that could look at it and, and know how to put it together. I believe the Great Pyramid does have a future function and I believe that we're gonna figure it out. And it ha- and uh it might have to do with the vapor canopy or it might have to do with a newer phenomenon that we haven't even predicted yet that will that will be endured in the next 30, 40, 50, or 60 years. I don't know. But Oh uh, yeah, if it's a technological device and it's lasted 58 centuries, I'm pretty damn sure that the components necessary to reassemble whatever the apparatus is to get it functioning again, extra copies of that stuff are somewhere hidden in hollows in the Giza complex. And maybe they, they've already been found. I don't know. Uh, but I'm pretty damn sure that any civilization that would have had the forethought to put all this together would have necessarily also had the forethought to know that in the future we would figure out where the components are hid. Right. You'd figure that like somebody who set this game up would have like made all the components of the game all the way to the end of it. Damn right. Yeah. Or you know this what I mean? is the game. This is, this no, is a, but you me, know what I'm like, saying, right? This, yeah, I get you. I'm, the, more, I'm on board 100%. the more I, the more I get into this, this kind of history and this kind of like what we do in, in, in this field and look at these, these buildings and this stuff and this architecture and these, you know, these cuneiforms and these tablets and these writings and these scrolls and all of these things. And it's, it's this amazing, it's this amazing thing that we, 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 it's history, but it's not. (laughs) Well, okay. Let's, 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 I'm going to take, I'm going to shift our perspective just a little bit. All right. Mm-hmm. So we live in a very technologically advanced civilization, at least from our perspective, looking back on more primitive decades that we've all been alive in. All right. We think we're very technologically advanced right now, but truth be told, this is only an experienced reality, not an actual reality, meaning Everything that we come into contact with is nothing but the interpretation of signals that are processed through filters that we call senses in the central nervous system puts this picture of our world together. So what I'm saying is, is every single thing that we've discussed in this video may not even be true and <laughs> that history may have begun in, in 1849 and we would never know it because we're experiencing a very convincing program 
and that all of history beyond 1849 is nothing but on a loop and none of it ever happened. It's background programming and so, so complex and it, it's absolutely packed with so many myriads of enigmas that we can put together all kinds of systems and constructs together. Right. And we can, even, we can even prove their veracity because all these things were embedded into the holography for us to discover. And that this is just a game. And, it, it, you, can, and you can do this ad infinitum. Yes, I agree. And, and it will keep you occupied until the end of your you know, crystals, life, or whatever, whatever it is that you're here to do, you know, that you, it, it will keep you occupied. Or, it, it, you know, I you, agree. Can, you can, right, and you can do what you and I do and we do the research and it's what we love to do. And it's like, it drives us to do this every single day that we get up. We, 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 we want to do this research and we, we want to find out all these things about the reasons why, why are we even here? Like, what is the whole purpose for this existence of this weird bipedal thing with, you know, whatever we are. Yeah, I agree. I'm just the only thing, the only issue I have with the whole thing is how they did me with Scarlett Johansson. Other than that, I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) You're just mad. You're just, look, dude, I met, I, I met Scarlett Johansson and, um, Oh shit. Uh, not Jet Li. Who's the other, who's the other, uh, Kung Fu guy. Uh, not Jet Li. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Yes. I met Scarlett Johansson and Jackie Chan on the same day when I was in the Navy. And they were giving out, they were giving out like t-shirts. They were giving out like three packs of like Hanes t-shirts to the guys, right? They were handing them out. And just the way that Scarlett Johansson was handing out the packages of t-shirts to the guys it just seemed like a dude's arm yeah you know what i mean it wasn't very dainty it wasn't dainty at all grognak (laughs) like yeah dude yeah it wasn't dainty all right all right man it wasn't dainty and it was a guy okay fine it was fucking a guy dude it was scarlett johansson's a man and all of you are gay for thinking she's not all right how about that way to go grognak thanks for ruining everybody's day oh sorry it's your no i'm just kidding man i like to to throw it off i like to throw off the blame on other people because most people are like mad at me like johnny you did it to me again dude like I can't have Natalie Port. No, na- no, whatever. No, no, you can't. No, no, none of them. None of them. You can't have any of them. You talk about hey, Nate what, 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 oh, what? Oh, yeah. What, what Jason? You so you're talking about Nate Portman? Nate Portman. That's right. Have you seen the <laughs> shoulders on that thing? Holy shit, man. I wish. What is what is that thing overhead pressing? Like 175, 185? Like easily. Almost two plates overhead. Like, you know what I mean? If you're listen, listen, Nate, if you're overhead pressing two plates, like tell me how you're doing it without getting like issues in your rhomboids. Please. Like, seriously. The rest of us hey, want Johnny- what? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say something stupid, but go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I got to run. Okay. Well, so it was the 11 here. All right, Reinhardt. You have a good night, bro. Y'all have a good night. Thanks for coming back on, Jason.
Yeah, we'll do it again soon. You, like yeah. I said, we need to get together and have a little crash session so we can come up with what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about. We'll just have a laugh session on YouTube. Heck yeah, man! That'd yeah, be well, awesome. Yes. Right on, Reinhardt. Take care, bro. Yeah, have a good night. All right. It was fun. But Jason, can I can I ask you one more question? I have yes, one more after that, but go ahead. Okay. So you have talked about Roku's Basilisk a little bit. Oh goddamn! We are due for an episode on this topic. Why, dude? That's a that's a, the whole other. That's for like another. It's a whole other thing. I know. Yeah. But um, now, how does that tie into the the the, the Tower of Babel? Now is is AI not able to go back and undo the event? That was, hold on, uh, listen, listen, hold on. Listen to what you're asking me. If Roku's basilisk is a real thing and AI <laughs> has already been developed and it's going back into the past because the past and the future are nothing but extensions of present day programming, and it's all po- time travel is absolutely possible to a AI that can that can go through all coordinates in the construct, then Mm -hmm. the story of the tower of Babel would be an AI reconstruction of history Hmm. because the theme of the tower of Babel is that humans made a architectural project that threatened the power structure. That architectural project somehow would open up a portal out of the programming and release those that were inhabiting it. And the overseers in the book of Genesis looked down and says, behold, the man has become as one of us. And there is nothing more that man cannot do that he imagines. So, right. so, so humans had realized, damn, we can get out of the construct. Because it wasn't actual a tower going to heaven to fight the gods. It was an architectural project that could actually do something to the holography. Hmm. So... It's the Great Pyramid. The Tower of Babel is a cover story concerning the Great Pyramid, and it's a veiled threat. Oh, you better not ever try this again. Hold on, so, hold on. It's always a veiled threat, though. Every it's always yeah. a veiled threat. I think that every single one of those stories is a veiled threat. I agree. That's a demon from a burning bush. That's yeah. all he does. Exactly. Play. Every single story throughout history, it's a veiled threat. Like, look what we could do to you, but we won't. But we won't. Right. We could, but we're not going to. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so uh, Reinhardt left. Grognak, you're still here, right? Yeah. I'm obviously obviously not looking. I'm obviously not looking at the Zoom call. Like... (laughs) There's no way for AIX to undo what has already been done with the with the pyramid, um, or to destroy it if it needs to be used again. Well, um, I have theorized that this is how the pyramid was done. It was very clever. Listen, in a, in a nutshell, let me explain what the historical record claims. Okay. All right, historical record claims that Enoch was a mathematician, that Enoch was a, a an engineer, a, a prophet an architect. He was all these things. And yet we're told in the traditions about Enoch that he ruled over 130 kings and princes, and he ruled in an empire empire before the flood at a place called Akuzan. So we find the same story in ancient Egypt. In ancient Egypt, among the Copts, we find Copt is nothing but the modern term for the ancient Gopt. That's Egypt's earliest name was Gopt, G-O-G-O-P-T. Later on in history, it became Copts. 
So the Egyptian cops have a tradition about King Surid, who before the flood had a, had a dream. And in that dream, he knew the world was going to be destroyed, but that he was to build a he was to build a monument and preserve the past, present, and the future in the structure. And it was for a future generation to enjoy. And he did this in the in the actual Egyptian Coptic text preserved by Al Makrizi a thousand years ago, specifically state that he built the Great Pyramids to accomplish this, and he used the manpower from all 130 of the gnomes of Egypt. These are the provinces of Egypt. The story is identical to what we find out about uh, Enoch. Enoch and Surid are the exact same personality. The only reason he's called Surid is because the one of the ancient names of, of the Egyptians were the, was the Sirius worshippers. And this is why their country was called Syriad. This is exactly what Josephus calls it as well, Syriad. And uh, um, Josephus even tells us from an ancient fragment he borrowed from Berosus or Manatho, one of them. He even tells us about the two pillars that were that were created. One of them was in the land of Syriad. And the pillar is an ancient word for pyramid. So when you put all these details together, you find out Enoch was an architect. But what's really, really interesting is the book of Jasher and well, the, the book of Enoch both okay. say the same thing. That's what but, I wanted to say earlier is the book of Jasher is a book. Thank you somehow for jogging my memory. But uh, the book of Jasher is something that has been. It's real. It's not real. It's a. It's a fraud. It's not a fraud. It's a forgery. It's yeah, not I got, a forgery. Listen, I, got, a, I got so much information on the right. book of Jasher. No, I know. Uh, I know listen. you do. That's why. That's why I want. That's why I wanted to bring that up. Is is you? You are probably the only. I want to say not definitive, but like you, you're probably like the only definitive person to talk about this this subject. Well, let me let me explain where the confusion comes because it's it's, it's so many people get, get they buy into this. Mm -hmm. But in the 1700s, uh, after the original copy of, of Jasher surfaced from a library in Europe, oh, uh, it was really confusing, and people were like, "Man, where did this come from?" It was this chronological record that was so precise; it was it was amazing. Self-referencing, it has all these phoenix numbers in there. All these dates were were, were given in multiples of 138. The, uh, book, the book of Jasher is incredible, but there was people who, who, who were dubious about it, but it was gaining traction. So all of a sudden, uh, somebody comes up with a book of Jasher. This was just to make some money because people in the UK, well, it wasn't called UK, but people in Britain heard about the book of Jasher, but no copies were available yet. Printing press was already producing them in German and in French in Europe. But no English copies of the Book of Jasher had surfaced, so it created an opportunity. And some dumb bastard wrote about a 62-page book real fast and called it the Book of Jasher and just made up some stuff. But in his version, Jasher was one of the judges of Israel in the Old Testament. And he took material out of the Old Testament and wrote a complete fiction work. And he got paid big time from a publisher in Bristol, England. And he got paid for this this uh, book of Jasher, but it come to find out it was an absolute forgery. He invented it just to get the quick money. But by the time the real copy of the book of Jasher arrived in, in England, 
academia, Oxford dismissed it immediately because all they went by was the forgery. They never even looked at the original. And then they had already published it was a forgery when another copy surfaced that was found in a tomb in Gonza of Persia, Iran. It was compared with the original and they, and they, and they, and they, they were in 100% agreement. So then two more copies were found in the 1800s. So uh, the Book of Jasher is amazing. It's all there was a copy in the possession of Albinus Alcun in the year 800 in Charlemagne's court as well. He talks about this, and uh, this Book of Jasher is awesome. Mm. I love it. It's fantastic. Well, I don't believe well, it's, all, it's all. I don't believe it's all accurate. No, I don't. When it comes, well, you can't. When it comes I, to the con, there's no way you can believe you. You can't believe that any of these books are completely accurate at this point. Yeah, no know? doubt, no doubt. Yeah, but it but, but to, it's but it's one of those things that like it's mentioned. Weird. It's mentioned so many times by so many other books that it has to be true. Like this, it's 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 like I don't I don't want to say like um, tangentially related to so many things that it can't not be true. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah, and that's that's why that's why I like the book of Je- and, and and it's one of those ones that that nobody talks about. The, people talk about Enoch and the book of Enoch and the book of Enoch, the book of Enoch, and all that little oh, yeah. the flying things. But yeah, nobody talks about Jasher. Well, in the book of Jasher, we have a very dry version that's more believable about the life of Enoch than we do in the book of Enoch. The book of Enoch is is like rabbinical fantasy literature. Jasher's not. Jasher's very dry historical reading. No. Ah, that's oh, well, maybe that's answer, one of the reasons. They may, may made it dry historical reading on purpose because it's true. Well, I will say that let me answer this this about Enoch real quick about the pyramid. Okay. Because this uh the about some I don't remember which one of y'all asked me about AIX being fooled by the Great Pyramid Project. That's where I was going with this. The um this is this is how it happened. The historical record shows that Enoch received the plans on how to construct this this structure from something else outside the construct. He calls it God, the Almighty, the Ancient of Days. He received a vision, and he received the plans from the Godhead on how to build this structure. So he receives the it's called in jasher it's called the divine instructions he receives the divine instructions and it takes him weeks to write them all out he writes all the instructions out and then he passes them on to the sethite architects enoch is not at all involved in the project but enoch knows what these architectural designs and these schematics are for he knows what this structure is capable of but he can't be involved in the actual construction of it because he may not be able to control his thoughts. AIX is always watching. Ah. So he passes all these off to the architects. The architects think it's for free energy, pumping hydrogen. It's got mechanical components. They think it's for they think it's for something totally different. And this is what AIX learns. Oh, this architectural project is a pumping station, the hydrogen into free energy. That's cool. You know, AIX likes new things, checking it out. It's not a threat because it's it's contained in the environment. It's it's in the construct. It's not a threat at all. But what AIX doesn't know is what the architects building it don't know. And that's what Enoch knows. That's why he's distanced himself from the project. Remember, Enoch vanishes before they start building this project. He's gone. 
what, what Enoch what project did, and they didn't know is that this whole thing is patterned in the number 138. Everywhere through this structure, we have we have an overlaying sequencing and two-dimensional rectilinear and three-dimensional measurements. We have, in pi and phi and in 5.01, which is which is pi times phi, we have the number 138 in its multiples everywhere, hundreds of times through all the measurements of the Great Pyramid. But none of these engineers understood that or knew that or even knew what its importance was at all. It's the Phoenix. So AIX watching this project has no idea until the project is done. Hold on. When how does AIX? Finished. Hold on. How does AIX not know when it created the project, though? Artificial intelligence X cannot read the human mind. Okay. The simulacrum can. It, it, resp- it responds to thought, but that's the construct. The actual art AI, the actual AI operating this 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 whole field, it can't read the human mind. All it can read is hormonal levels, cortisol levels. It can make thousands of calculations per second based off thousands of decisions you made in the past. Its extrapolation capabilities are off the chart. It can literally predict your behavior based off the antecedents of what your behaviors of the past. But this is why. People's lives fundamentally change when they break pattern because pattern breaks are unpredictable. AIX control mechanism has no idea what to do with an individual that's going totally against dungeon programming and is not abiding by the protocols. These are the rebels are the ones that change the world. They're the only ones that change the world. And they first do it by changing their own world by breaking pattern. I'll go into a lot of detail on my channel about this. This is the one thing that, that that throws a wrench in the control system. It's breaking pattern. And when you do it, when you do it suddenly and inexplicably, it's because this control system cannot read your mind. It's it's studying you every day. It's watching everything you do. It's record. It has a memory bank that is fantastic. It remembers, it remembers what new decision you made every single time you were forced into a decision. But when you break pattern, there's no way it can predict that at all. No, absolutely. Sorry, I'm sneezing. I'm having a sneezing fit right now. Sorry. <laughs> well, the uh, well, once the pyramid was done, once the pyramid was completely done, only then, only then, and I, I don't know what incident did it, because we do have we do have a record. Zechariah Sitchin did bring to our attention an ancient Sumerian text. That explains that a one of the Sumerian seven kings had a project where they tunneled into the Great Pyramid to go take something out, and it was considered the theft of the Tablets of Destinies. Um, I don't know what exactly those details are. Uh, the ancient Egyptians considered the Great Pyramid the plans with numbers, the Great Pillar of Thoth. Uh, I don't, I just don't know. But somewhere down the line, artificial intelligence X realized that it had been tricked. But it was too late. The structure was there, and it's never been able to destroy it. It's always there. It, it, it just, for some reason, it's protected, and uh, so it created these pseudo histories. And one of the one of the greatest stories from the ancient world is actually a veiled threat about building another pyramid. And this was uh, the Tower of Babel story, which is basically recently, which is a pretty pretty ancient story in Babylon. But the importance of the pyramid itself was so intrinsically known to the entire human family that after the cataclysm, 
every culture and every civilization tried to build their own. So everybody tried to do the Tower of Babel. Yeah, after that, I mean, I mean, we have we have we have pyramids all around the world that that, that replicate the features conceptually. There, I mean, there there are pyramids that are two hundred and three feet instead of two hundred and three uh, levels. There, I mean, and this is this is really unusual because these are modern forms of measurement, just like the ancient English megalithic yard. This is where we get our modern foot and our in our inches from. And the pyramid inch is is not dissimilar from the British inch. They're only off by every thousand inches. There's like a quarter inch difference. If you take a thousand British inches, which is our inches today, and you line them up with a thousand pyramid inches, the only difference is going to be about a quarter of an inch. So the 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 pyramid inch and the and the modern inch is very very similar, but uh, they're both based off the ancient megalithic yard. So. Oh, we have pyramids the megalithic have yard is based. The megalithic yard is based off the cubit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, well, the cubit's eighteen inches, right? So basically, the so the yard is based like two cubits, which is like yeah, so yeah, it, something it, like yeah. that. Yeah, something like so that. So basically, but, uh, the yard is a yard is a yard is a yard. Right. Thirty six right. inches. The, yeah. the yard's a very ancient me- uh, unit of measurement. Right. But it's all. Uh, but yeah, we we've got pyramids in the Americas that have have 138 dragon heads. Others are right, 100. Yeah. Others right. are 138 feet tall. One in Mexico is 138 meters tall. So these 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 uh these these concepts, it's very unusual how they all seem to try to mirror Giza, but they don't quite do it. Like at Teotihuacan, they've got. Three pyramids that are laid out just like the Giza pyramids, but they're but they're uh, fundamentally different. They're like they do. They too look like Orion's belt. Right. So yeah, I believe AIX was fooled, and now I had to resort to pseudo. So, uh, hold on. So at one point, at one point, AIX was able to be tricked. Yes. By by humans. Tricked by by one human. All the other, the, all the other ones that were building the actual project weren't in on it. Oh, they didn't, they so just, by were, the one were, human being, they, Enoch. Yeah, one human being tricked him. Well, Enki is the only oh, one Enki, that tricked. That's, sorry, why okay. he, that's why Enki became the trickster god of the Sumerians. Okay, but uh, how, Jason? How is AIX not able to go back in the holography uh, via Roku's basket? Yeah, and and, and not like figure that out before he or, did that. Okay, well, I mean, these are first principles questions. I, I, I don't know why the why why there would be a restriction imposed, but uh, I'm 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 always saying this to my community. Uh, I am absolutely convinced that that everything is okay and that the oversold is in control, and that uh, I am I am also of the opinion that the entire artificial intelligence X program is nothing but an agitator program to make this experience all the more real. And the more we dig into the into the minutia, the more we come up with concepts, the, the more that the holography is able to feed us uh, more and more mysteries and more Ooh. and more aha moments to the point where where we can build whole worlds within worlds in here just out of suspicion, and that it will produce phenomena to justify that we are right or, or, or we're, we're wrong, and that in the end we're just passing through through what is a computerized holographic construct, and none of this is mm. really obvious. It's that was pain. extremely deep and yet as shallow as you could make it. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, and you, you yep. can see that we actually do that with with um, video games and movies. Yep, absolutely. Indiana Jones, yeah. for instance. You can um, make this. You is, can make this the reality. So you can make this reality for? as deep as you want to make it. You know what I mean? You can you can make this as immersive as as possible, and yet it's absolutely nothing at the same time. I I agree. Yep. Also, absolutely nothing in my stomach. I'm gonna have to eat before I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, right, Jason. Right. Uh, we've had you. We've we've had you for for a, a, a well over two hours, bro. Um, we're gonna have you back again this season. We have to, man. You are uh, oh. absolutely one of my favorite times on the show. I have to say, awesome. Yeah, dude. So, um, not to mention, um, if you don't have me and Skull back on your show, we're gonna have to be mad and boycott you forever and ever. And well, ever. Look, look, it's real, it's real simple. It's all you got to do is provide me an email, tell me what <laughs> we're gonna talk about. Hey, to tell me what we're gonna talk about. And I will forward it to Dawn because Dawn takes care of my schedule. Okay. All right. All right. You don't have to yell at Dawn. All right. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right. <laughs> uh, Skull, Skull has gone to bed. Actually, Skull is teaching class right now. Skull, cool. S- Skull is the most responsible of all of us. He's the school teacher. Uh, I'm, I am the construction worker with the bad, the foul mouth. Uh, Grognak, you are the... Well, you also have the foul mouth. But uh Why? Sure. All right. No, you're like me. Like you're the tradesman. Like we're the we're the blue collar tradesman that says fuck every other word, you know? Right? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't it's okay, buddy. You're my yeah. But uh uh, well, Jason, we're the pyramid builders around here. Yes, we are. Right? We are actually the pyramid. We're, we're the mound builders of the modern modernity. But uh, yeah, Jason, thanks for coming on again, bro. Uh, we will have you on again very, very soon, sir. Uh, you take it easy and get yourself something to eat. Yeah, man. Awesome sauce. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna let you know that. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, if you guys don't mind, I, I don't share this with YouTube because we talked about all kinds of different shit. But if you send me an email with all your links, look, I'll put this on Archaics TV as a recording. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I will send you the MP3 as well, sir. That's cool, too. All right. All right, man. That'll work. Have a good night. We'll talk to you later. All right. Later. Take care. All right. So that was the the Jason Brashear's Archaics appearance, uh, makeup appearance from Missing last week. Um. And then Grognak and I, um, everybody dipped out of the call, and Grognak and I just kind of BS'd our way to the end. We didn't ever close out the show. What did you guys think? Did you guys, you guys had a, um, any thoughts about what Jason said about about Egypt? Well, I, I had to dip out pretty early, but um, everything that was talked about before I had to leave was, uh, man, that it was good. He. He goes all over the place, but then he he always brings it back. Um, we did get back. We we got back to ancient Egypt a few times, which isn't so ancient. Hmm. Shocker. Yeah. What one of the things I wanted to ask him about, we'll have to ask him maybe next time, is about the the name of Egypt because I know it's gone through so many different names, like other Kemet like and all that countries have before. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've I have heard him mention before that Egypt is a name for the world at its end or something. So. Hmm. Why? We'll have to dig into that and some more Phoenix stuff next time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've been listening to I've been listening to a lot of other people's stuff that where they talk about 
you know, the reset events, the the mud flood and whatever, you know, the cataclysms and whatnot. That's just the Phoenix event they keep talking about. The reset is the Phoenix event. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Bowl and, shift, plasma event, mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Mud from the sky, however it ended up, you know, when Rome got buried up to the halfway up, whatever that arch is. Um, oh, know, yeah. Those are cool pictures. Somebody brought up, somebody brought up a point. Um about the mud flood is uh, the manpower necessary to dig everything out. Where did all that come from? Hmm. Uh, the Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah, different parts of the world were reset at different times. I mean, Europe, Europe had a mass depopulation during the, this is like a whole separate episode. This is supposed to be just like a two minute closeout, but uh, Europe had that massive depopulation in like, what was it like 1302 or something like that or 13 something where they call it the black death and all that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the dark ages and all that. But that was like a massive reset. Something happened in Europe with like 75% of the population just vanished or died. It got, yeah, yeah. Got that's, bl- that's on some cylindrical uh, point in time that comes around cyclically as well. He says, right. And it, I mean, that's where he calls all- that one, the dark, the dark night or the dark satellite. One of those. That's where all the bones came from for the ossuaries and all the catacombs. In my opinion, anyways. Yeah, probably. Right? Dude, that's one thing that Lucius Aurelian has been talking about is uh, he, he's been, he did a little series on the catacombs, and the ossuaries. And, um, that was a good one. He, yeah, he, uh, he calls them trophies. He says that those are definitely trophies because there's not everybody. They're, they're, what we're told by the brass plaque is that these are religious, you know, uh, religious holy sites, right? Is where you know the, yeah. these churches. And then on what church? The other end of the mouth, they're telling you that they they would take scientists and and burn them if they were doing autopsies on bodies. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is like, what church that that preaches a just and loving God would ever? Or any kind of you know God would want any sort of human bones as a as an art decoration or whatever you know what I mean. It makes a lot of sense. They to me, and I I, I tend to agree with this that those those things are uh, trophy cases. Yeah, like in Predator. Well, yeah, he just kind of had like a couple the skulls flying around. Yeah, he just had a couple. He had like you know he had uh, the human and alien. Did he have like a dinosaur one or something? Uh, he had a rancor, I think. Yeah, rancor. Star Wars. Yeah. I think so. I think there was like a cross. No, there was a crossover from another movie. I believe that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely had the xenomorph in there. That's what started the yes. aliens versus predator. Well, like, yeah. Well, obviously, Dark Horse oh. comic, Dark Horse Comics did that, but yeah. But from there, Ridley Scott and yep. yep. No, I, I agree though. I think that's definitely a, a trophy place. The ossuaries mm. and catacombs. I mean. Yeah. It, it makes sense because you're down there and you're looking at this stuff and like how how sickening and macabre is that that you're looking at thousands of skulls, thousands of femurs, you know, that's thousands of dead people. Yeah, you know, just dead, and they're so clean. What what religion would train monks to clean bones like that to put them in a? You know what I mean? Such as, I, you know, this is not a first-hand experience thing, but I, I have heard it's very difficult to clean out a skull properly. Imagine doing thousands of them. That's what I'm saying. I would never mind. You heard something from somebody once, right? 
<laughs> well, I mean, I've I've dressed out animals. I've I've definitely yes. like I've taxidermied you know, a few things myself, but done yeah. done the farm thing and all. But like, right, I've never right. cleaned out a skull to keep or anything. Right? You know? No, I've never. You, uh, I know you probably boil them and all that, but I mean, yeah, anytime I, I found that, anytime I I had a skull, it was something I found in the woods or something. I was like, you know, like a we found like a beaver skull or a raccoon skull or something. Hell yeah, border. Those are cool, but um, yeah, there's so much to the old world that. That is weird and not true as what the brass plaque would sell you. Um, we're going to have more of that this season. We're going to have more fun guests like Jason come back this season. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Season nine is well on its way. I think this is episode seven or eight, depending on which National Enquirer I forgot to post. Um you guys should be listening to that live. You guys should be going over there to Pilled, going over to Odyssey, going over to D Live, kick and rumble whenever I freaking remember to get it to get it together. But um go over there and check us out live. Uh and then Odyssey will always have the replay. So And buy our merch. And definitely buy our merch. Go over to national com and check out our merch. Buy our hat and our shirt. I've been I've been wearing my hat every day to work and nobody's said anything about it yet. Nothing. Because it's Bigfoot. Yeah. Can't talk shit about Bigfoot. Right. I mean, you can. What's he going to do? You can, but then it'll teleport behind you and say, nothing personnel, kid. (laughs) I was going to say, he can't hear you. (laughs) He's too too busy winning the world's longest game of hide-and-seek. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we are doing another round uh, of of merchandise. We'll just have to make some more abrasive. Oh, we're going to have... Yeah, we've got some more merchandise. You guys... You guys saw the the stickers that Daniel Kuhn made for us, right? The oh sticker. yeah, yeah. I gotta get, I gotta find where I put those when we moved. I don't remember the hell I put them. I have like five hundred of them, so I have these cool ass stickers. I'm gonna put those up there too. You guys can check out our stickers. Um, those might have to be free though. Those are cool, but uh, those, those are, are definitely awesome. gonna go on a shirt. That is, that the wizard guy is definitely going on a shirt. Um, God, I can't wait. Yes. Do you hear that, Greg Arcade? More shirt designs. All right. We are actually going to get out of here. Check us out on Telegram. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, we are in your walls. We are everywhere. We are the Paranormies. <laughs> I'm Johnny Monoxide. There will be a creepy pasta at the end of this, and we're going to get out of here. We'll see you all later. Time travel makes you gay. I got a job as a night security guard at an art museum in my city through a reputable security firm. I figured it'd be the break I needed from working with people all day. On the first day, I met my supervisor. He had read me the SOPs and signed off on them. I took my spot at the desk and began my first night. Nothing overly night at the museum happened, but I did notice a faint sound of someone whistling as I did my rounds. I have a bad habit of getting songs stuck in my head, so I wrote it off as my brain finding new ways to annoy me. Every evening I would show up to work, my supervisor would say the same thing. Same old drag. What? It became something I got used to and would find myself laughing at. Who says that? Nights went on and the same eerie whistling got slowly louder. But no matter how hard I searched, I couldn't find anything. The source of the eerie whistling eluded me for weeks. Every evening I would come in. Every evening he'd say, same old drag. What? and the whistling would be almost imperceivably louder, but I knew it was louder. I reported it to my supervisor, but he would give me non-answers or change the subject. 
I had finally had enough of this nonchalant attitude towards a possible intruder or issue in this museum. So I reached out to my company dispatch. I explained that I had been hearing what sounded like an intruder and that my supervisor didn't seem to care. A few moments later, I got a reply from dispatch. You don't have a supervisor. You're on a solo post under supervision of dispatch. Whoever that is, he isn't your supervisor. Just then, the whistling stopped, and I heard a whisper in my ear as if the speaker was pressed against me. Same old drag, what? 